Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. Woods 97.3 The Fan. Happy Wednesday to you. Let's get our heads right today. Uh, I'm Woodsy. To my right is Paul Rindel, the executive producer. Good morning, Paulie. Good morning. To my left is Benjamin Higgins, your friendly neighborhood sports anchor. Good morning, Benjamin. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, it's good. I feel a little distracted. I don't know why. I, I think, yeah. yeah he, read us, know he read us like a 15-minute email uh, and then just was commenting on something on TV. I said, oh, man, it's going to be one of those days. You want to try some uh, Adderall? Help get you locked in. Ooh. What was that? You want yeah, you want to try some Adderall? <laughs> Doctor prescribed. Not for me. It's farmers insurance true. open day, isn't it? It's farmers insurance. That's true. Open day. Now, 
Three hours, though. You, there's plenty oh, yeah, of time. It's still the plenty day. I mean, it's still the day. He gets very excited. It's like when he goes on vacation, and he. I'm like, you know what? When you come in, when you have a vacation, just don't, you, you don't have to come to work because he's he's Gonzo right now. He's Gonzo. What happened? Stay up too late? Are you blinking? You're blinking. No, I know you didn't sleep. That's what happened to me. Huh. It's a true story. Ah, you got me. I went back to explicit. <laughs> <laughs> I drove all the way there. Oh, funny story. Sitting here this morning, I got in. I got in for me a little late. It was like five, oh and and I'm uh, doing some work and getting things ready. And um, I hear Woodsy, and I'm like, "What?" And I turn around, it's Paulie in the little foyer right there, and he waves me out. And I'm like, I'm "What like, the hell?" Get out here! I'm like, "Did you forget your card?" But you couldn't have because you got through the first door. So I walk up, and he points at his ear, like, "Listen." Freaking, hey there, Delilah. Hey there, Delilah. On, the, on the, the speaker like here. The internal speakers that go throughout the entire building. And I said, Paulie. The second I got off the elevator, I heard, hey there, Delilah. I'm like, I said, what how is many, happening? I said, have you ever heard that in here? He goes, never. Never not, once. Not once. Not one time. And I'm 20 years old. <laughs> I said, that is the universe speaking to us. If you missed uh, what we're talking about, we did take Ben to his first gentleman's uh, establishment last week. We could go today. We actually. could go today. <laughs> yeah, changed his life forever. Changed his life forever. Met a uh, nice young lady named Delilah. Very sweet. And, um, and, hey there, yeah. Delilah. And, <laughs> and, and that was that. That was that. So it's been it's been all downhill basically since then <laughs> since that happened. Uh, we had a uh, yesterday after the show, we were hanging out in the prod studio, the production studio, and our beloved beloved sweet angel Sammy Levitt mm. popped in, and uh, we were talking to Sammy for a while and chopping it up. He's going to be heading out to spring training soon. You guys remember spring training? Sammy dude is out there from minute one until the very end. They report. The day of the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl yeah. Sunday. So he's heading out like that weekend. Yeah, he'll be out there. And while we may not be out there for a couple weeks until or the end of February, Sammy will be out there and he's going to be on this show every, day. every single I, morning I, starting the Monday after the Super Bowl. I love spring training, Sammy. I love it. it. Not only does it kill a segment, it burns some clock for <laughs> us, but it also, I love Sammy Levitt. Like, I love talking to Sammy Levitt. And Sammy came in and we were shooting the breeze. And then Adam comes in and brings Sammy a piece of mail. And I go, oh, boy, Sammy, uh-oh, uh-oh. And it's addressed to him here at the station. And I go, oh, boy, watch out, Sammy. You might be somebody's butthole like I got uh, from a Dodger fan. If you missed the Christmas and holiday extravaganza, I've been getting hate mail from Dodger fan, from a Dodger fan. And it's the gnarliest, most disgusting things you've ever, ever seen. The worst smack talk you've ever seen. I, go, I was going to say, it's the worst insult yeah, ever. Yeah, to themselves. They just insulted himself. But there's like the most disgusting lady part that you've ever seen with arrows pointing to it like Dodgers. And then there's a toilet bowl full of doo-doo Padres. So I'd rather be the toilet bowl than that first thing. I mean, you saw it. It was repugnant. It was repugnant. Delilah would never. So I, we were sitting in there, and I said, well, open it up, Sammy. Make sure there's no powder in there or anything like that. you got to be careful. And he opened it up. It was some sweet kid. Sammy, I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, I sent you a picture. Can you please sign it and send it back to me? He got an autograph request. <laughs> so I ask you not, man. I walk in here this morning, and this is sitting. <laughs> oh, a piece of mail on my... Area and I went. Oh God! Oh no! Here we go. 
I told Sammy yesterday, I go, we get different types of fan mail, Sammy. You get the the sweet little wannabe broadcasters that want an autograph, and I get, you know, buttholes and stuff. So I said, um, oh, God. So I sat here, and I opened it, and I felt inside there was like, it was kind of firm, like something in there. I go, more of a firm filling. More of a firm filling in the envelope, <laughs> which I know you like. So, <laughs> so I open it up. To Steven. Dallas is my grandson. He and your son played on the same Buffalo's flag football team. I heard your segment on Monday regarding not being able to coach and watch the games on Friday. I was there taking pictures of Dallas. I got a couple of your son. I know it's hard to miss some of these moments. Here's the photos. Enjoy. From George Hepner. P.S. Your son is all athlete. And George sent me these beautiful pictures of Bo in action out on the field. Uh, running the ball, throwing the ball. Look at that kid. Look at that kid. All heart right Action there. Action shots. Action shots. So good. Slinging one. And uh, I, George, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, it was very touching, and I'm, I was very moved uh, when I got that this morning. So I really, really appreciate the effort um, to, to do that, to send it in, to look up the address and all that. And uh, it was just really kind. So thank you very much. That's I, a lot of effort nowadays. It's a ton of effort, I man. Mean, you can't a, just text me over a picture. Yeah, it's you a know? lot of effort to like find an email address and upload a photo, much less find an address, put a stamp on, print it all out. Develop these put pictures. It in the mail. Yeah. Exactly. That's a lot of effort that he went to just to make sure that you got included. In the game last week. That's really cool. Oh, That's man, a much was... better class of mail than what you had been getting. <laughs> than the butthole mail? Yes. Yeah. It was uh, was awesome. So, so, George, thank you for that. I was just thinking about Sammy because last year I started feeling sorry for Sammy. Just by the end of spring training, he had been there, I think, six weeks. And, I, you know, having just been to Arizona, a few days is enough. You, you, I mean, once you've been there for a week or two, it's like, okay, I'm ready to leave. You get the full experience after 72 hours. But this year, because of the Korea trip, it's only really a month. It's a shorter spring training jaunt. I think it should be more doable. The finish line is a lot closer. They leave for Korea on March 13th, I think it is. So yes, there's really going to be no reason to stick around beyond that. Uh, so Sammy should be home within like a month of going out there, which is uh, probably a lot nicer for him. Yeah, you can sh- if you can shave two weeks off of your trip to Peoria, you're in you're in in good spirits well, after our, that. Our boy upgraded his uh, his digs when he's going to be out there. Yeah, he did. He was in he a, was in a not great. He was place. in a not great spot last year. Got an Airbnb, which is such the move. It's so much more affordable. You feel like a, you can feel like you can be a normal human again. When we were at fantasy camp every year and we were staying in the Hampton Inn, you know, I'd be in my room, Paulie would be in his. It was it was fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's that but that's hey, you want to work on the show tomorrow? Do you want to, you know, maybe Hit a little bit of work on the show. No, he's not coming to my room at the Hampton Inn to kick up on my bed. Like, so, uh, what do you want to do in the six? No, like, at the house, we could all hang out together. Now, I did pass out at 530. You didn't have the three-room suite at the Hampton with the the living area? No. No, No, not at all. So, Sammy was smart this year. Probably going to save the company money, too, an Airbnb. Uh, I think he's got a little bit longer of a drive, but hey, as you know, Sammy, expense that mileage. They have no problem with it whatsoever. <laughs> so I'm still I'm still waiting for my expense report to be approved again. Uh, I sent them the the you know this is why that happened, and we'll see what happens with that dramatic scene yesterday. Uh, I saw a lot of cleanup going on in San Diego yesterday. I got a DM from. Have you guys ever heard of Tonight in San Diego? You ever heard so. heard of that show? So. 
I uh, was a guest on that show many, many, many years ago, and they do. It's like a variety show, and it's like a it's like Letterman, right? But it's a little smaller, smaller level. They actually, I hosted it one time at the desk. You know the the pen. Who's the regular host? Uh, So back then it was Jesse Egan, who's a, a comedian. I don't know who does it now, but those guys at Tonight in San Diego, they sent me over the video. Their entire studio, Ben, and I'm talking, I'm talking, tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment, gone, wiped out, motherboards, cameras, everything flooded. They've lost everything. So um, I'm looking to get. I shared it on the Ben and Woods Instagram. I'm looking to get more information on how I can help those guys. Uh, but I it. You know, to know a lot of those guys that work over there, to know how much effort they put into it, it is devastating. Just devastating. And I know, you know, some people came through unscathed, but so many people did not uh, and lost a lot of stuff. So we're going to continue to try to, to, to share things. And if you feel compelled to help and donate, if you have old gear, no, they were asking for like cords and microphones, maybe. How many of you out there, let's be honest, how many of you out there started a podcast <laughs> and said, I'm not doing this anymore, and you got stuff to spare? This, these guys could probably make it work, man. They're really good people. So the more information I get, but you can go to, go to Tonight in San Diego on Instagram. Check out the devastation. It is. It's awful. You know, I was, I was reading yesterday, and usually when we get a storm like that, it's it's overhyped. Remember the the hurricane that was coming? And oh yeah, it turned out not to be that big of a deal after you know it passed through. We got some rain, but it wasn't. We were warned for about a week. Oh, like, before yeah, like that a happened. Week. And, and I, I just looked at my phone a few days ago and saw, oh, we're gonna get some rain some on rain. Monday. Yeah. And I was going, what what the heck happened? Why didn't why didn't we get so- storm of the century hype for like a week in advance? Like this is gonna sand- be bags and huge and i was reading about it and this it was kind of fascinating so apparently the trackers they kind of expected the storm to move more to the south into baja california we're supposed to get more of the edge so we weren't going to get as much rain but it ended up staying more north and as it hit like san clemente island it it caused the clouds to kind of compact and then that just started the rain gushing so they really weren't Ever forecasting the amount of rain that we ended up getting, and it caught a lot of people off guard. It did, man. You know they they can't track storms as well out at sea as they do over land because they don't have as many of the you know the tracking stations out over the oceans. So you know the reaction was a little bit late, and I felt like that's why we didn't get quite the warning that we usually do when a storm is coming. It's it's almost always the other way. We're warned it's going to be terrible. Eh, it really wasn't that bad. Oh, you, I mean, you got you it's take, all worked up for nothing. And this time, but you take that where every time. It? You take yeah, that. Of ev- you take that well, every can, single time. And that, my point is, we usually complain about it. Oh, I wish we'd, I, they'd stop hyping up these weather events that turn out to be nothing. It's so much better when you get it that way than this way when you're not really expecting it, and no one was talking about sandbags or you know. Hey, you should probably pull everything up off the floor in your garage because there could be flooding. We didn't get that kind of warning because it caught uh, some of the you know the weather services off guard, and now you see what kind of damage and, and devastation is wrought uh, by just an extra you know three or four inches of rain that we're not used to around here. Yeah, and again, for you know this is we're a community, and uh, you know we want to help as much as we can. We do have this platform, so if you know somebody in need, if you know somebody that needs something, please let us know. We will do our very best to help them or to get the word out, whatever we can do uh, to use this. That's what we're here for, to serve the community. That's really it at the end of the day, to inform, educate, entertain, 
and and serve San Diego to the best of our ability. So uh, if you know of anything, you can shoot me a DM. You can DM us on Ben and Woods, Instagram, whatever. Happy to help uh, in any way we can. Keep your head up uh, out there. I guess more of this stuff could be potentially coming in the next month or so. So good time to prepare, move those valuables up, You know, do whatever you have to do. Uh, to to make sure it doesn't happen again. We got an interesting show today. Some sports, some not sports. For those of you who can handle it, we'll set the uh, menu for the program when well, we come back. Those people will be able to handle it. You know why? Because it's a local story. It is local. It's a very local story. I'm very excited it about it. It is unbelievable. We'll, uh, we'll tell you all about it coming up. It is uh, Ben and Woods. Glad to have you with us. Middle of the week. We've gotten to Wednesday. Let's see how the traffic's looking early here with Kelly, and then we'll be right back. With Ben Woods on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Three new members of the National Baseball Hall of Fame announced yesterday. Uh, we will get into the elections of Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer. Talk about those guys that uh, narrowly missed coming up here in our first uh, hour or so of the program. Also, uh, Aztecs last night at Viejas Arena had a uh, kind of a dogfight on their hands against Wyoming, especially in the first half. They did uh, pull away, ended up winning 81-65. to Good to see Padres manager Mike Schilt making an appearance at Viejas Arena, sitting courtside for the game last night, uh, making himself a presence in the community of San Diego, uh, which is not required by any stretch of the imagination, Woods, to be an effective Major League Baseball manager, but... Nevertheless, I find it appealing to see him there and supporting uh, you know other teams in town during his off season. We all do. That's a that's a thing. That's a thing it that it, that you it makes absolutely it has zero importance, none whatsoever to X's and O's, couldn't care less. W's and L's, the whole bit. But it, there's something in it when you look at it. It's like you get that first bite of birth, birthday cake. You're like. Mm. It feels good. It tastes good. It melts in my mouth. That's what you feel when you see your skipper right there in his pink uh, uh, sweater, pink hoodie, and watching the game. You go, okay, now we're talking. Now we're to people like to see. It's a political move, and it's a brilliant. One. You know, it's it's funny. We've seen Joe Musgrove do the "I Believe" chant, uh, and, and he's been supportive of Aztecs games as well. And I liked that. But can you? Can you appreciate those things and not be mad at the guys who aren't here in the offseason, players, 
coaches. You know, I don't think Bob Melvin ever went. Didn't have a problem with that at all. Not it's one, fine. It's not absolutely one fine. I don't expect that out of any of them. When it's uh, not the season, it's not their time. Maybe they're not into college basketball and they don't want to go to the game. It's perfectly fine if they're not there. Yet, I did appreciate seeing Mike Schilt at the game last night and uh, just making himself a presence in the community of San Diego. It's yeah. good. I think it's a good thing for a manager. It, it's always a good thing. It, it, you know, it's not going to have any bearing on the season. It's not going to have any bearing on, you know, no one's going to go, well, I'm going to give him a pass. He did go to that Aztecs game and you know, I did see him here. Like, Austin Hedges came to a Seals game. Didn't make me like him anymore. I mean, trust me. Here you go. Tim Hill. There was no single player more involved in the community. 100%. He was at every single event. I believe he lives here during the offseason. How'd that work out for him? And uh, they showed him the door. <laughs> it so, it, ultimately, it comes down to the field. What do you do when you're out there? But it was nice to see him. I will, I will, I will agree with you 100%. Got some uh, interesting stories, and uh, don't do this. Uh, Take on Woods, of course, coming up in our 7 o'clock hour. But I think we're all excited about 7.35 this morning. Actually, no, 8.35 this morning yep. when we plan on uh, returning to a Wednesday feature we haven't done in quite some time, and we're going to take a jump into Woodsy's Wednesday rabbit hole. Yeah, we're going over to Coronado Island, Ben, for one of the more... Um, Technically in a peninsula. Right. But, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going over. We're going over to Coronado, and we're going to talk about something that happened many, many years ago. That is, it, I had never heard of this story. And you—that's the thing. So it was over the the Christmas break. Uh, as I took a, a break from being berated on Twitter, I got down in a in a, in a rabbit hole um, about this this series of events that happened on Coronado in the the late sixties and seventies. Ben and I texted it to you guys. I said, Ben, have you ever heard of this? You go, no. I said, you've never heard of this. You said, uh, uh-uh. uh. I had no idea it existed. And uh, it is one of the more riveting, riveting stories you will ever hear about our town. I mean, it is just bananas uh, what went down over there years ago. So very excited about that as well. I wonder like, if my, my dad yeah. or our grandparents had heard about this story because oh, they grew up, obviously, sure. here in San Diego. Did it make big news at the it time? Was, it seems it made, like it would have been it national made, headlines. It made 60 Minutes, man. They did a whole feature on 60 Minutes. It's riveting, riveting stuff. And maybe some of our uh, tier ones out there yeah. will be familiar with it. My guess is that most, though, if I wasn't, <laughs> my guess is that most will not have heard this story. It's a good one about what was going on uh, in Coronado Woo. back in the uh, the sixties and seventies. Really, throughout California, but like the birthplace was in Coronado, it's, sleepy, sli- yeah, sleepy little Tony surf town, Coronado. Coronado back then. You Home know. of Manny Machado. That's and right. Don Orsillo. Now. Jake Cronenworth, I believe, <laughs> lives on Coronado. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. I'm definitely really looking forward to a trip down uh, the Woodsy Wednesday rabbit hole coming up at 8.35. Uh, Rhino Report, we've got more tickets to give away to the Doobie Brothers. We've been giving away all week for their concert coming up in June at the North Island Credit Union Amphitheater. So You just uh, call them the Doobies, though. That's The what you, Doobies. You called them yesterday. I... Um, I said I was at Channel Ten. It was Monday, and Veronica, our floor director, said, "I never really thought about it, but do you think that's a marijuana reference? Doobies, Doobie <laughs> Brothers, because we used to call you know joints Doobies back in the day." And I said, "Well, I mean, Rolling none of them are named Doobie. It's not like the right. Allman Brothers, right. whose last name is is Allman. Yeah, Greg or- Allman, right." <laughs> Right. None of them were named Jim Doobie. Doobie. Yeah. So it's probably a reference to something else. 
It's a reference to marijuana that's, cigarettes. It's not man. even like Mike Duberfield right. when he goes by Doobie. <laughs> Mike Duberfield. Hey, Doobie. Duberfield. Uh, here comes Doobie. That's <laughs> oh, my buddy Doobie. He's he, coming out. He, ben said yesterday, he goes, yeah, like, wasn't that really frowned upon back then? And I go... Well, yeah, but they're a rock and roll band. That was like the whole point of being in a rock and roll is to be edgy, you know? <laughs> like, we're the Doobie Brothers. We love Doobies. Like, if a band came out today and they called themselves the Doobie Brothers, I'd laugh at them. Because it's just not, it's not what it was, right? So, but like, yeah, I mean, back then, I, back then, I'm sure there were parents Ladies that were like, Ladies and gentlemen, Ooh. we're the edibles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think back then, your your mom walks in and, what's this? Oh, it's the the Doobie Brothers, she grabs it, she throws it out in the garbage immediately, I think, if that happens. But I do, yes. Uh, who asked you that, Veronica? Yeah. I do think, Veronica, it is a marijuana reference. I'm almost certain that it is a marijuana reference. Probably some good music to listen to while enjoying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Much a like uh, Tim Flannery and Jake Peavy. Very good music to listen to while enjoying. Padres were connected, uh, rumored to be connected to at least one pitching name. I don't know if it's one that's going to get anybody excited out there, but we can discuss uh, that as well as we're searching for off-season Padres news another day without uh, a big... Uh, announcement of any sort from the San Diego Padres. So uh, that's what's coming up on the menu today. When we come back, let's talk Hall of Fame. Had the uh, induction votes revealed yesterday. Three new Hall of Famers. Pretty pretty solid big class here for 2024. Talking about Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer all headed to Cooperstown. That is coming up next. It's Bennett Woods. Don't go away. San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Chris B. in our YouTube chat says, I had a dog that we got from the pound that was named Doobie when we got her, but my mom changed her name to Cookie when we adopted her. Uh, you can also eat cookies with marijuana in them, as I recently learned. Uh, um, Woods' is Wednesday a rabbit hole also is going to involve a little bit of the Doobie as well, I believe. Uh, my favorite part of the story of Vanessa, uh, v- Vanessa, what's her last name? La Paz? Uh, Vanessa... From your he doesn't know Veronica. Veronica, I'm sorry. Veronica. Veronica. Simonitas. Okay, Simonitas. My favorite part is <clears throat> she's at work and she's like, I need to ask someone here about doobies. Let me think. Uh, ben Hick. <laughs> ben, do you know if this is a drug reference? Are you like the edgy one Apparently. at Channel 10? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Kimberly it is Hunt, very no. different Steve there Smith, than it is here. No. Ben Higgins, yeah. Yeah. You're the edgy one. I think just because I'm on the radio with you, it makes you're me the, you're actually the, the, the rebel, rebel and the, uh, wow. the wild one. You're the wild 10. one at yeah. Channel 10. Edgy by association. Yeah. edgy by association. That's exactly right. Well, you're welcome for a reputation, finally, Benjamin. Uh, so, yeah, that's interesting to me. All right, let's check traffic. Uh, I want to talk about yesterday's Hall of Fame elections. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any 
outrage from this threesome this morning there's about al- this threesome. There's always outrage. Oh well, but none of it's going to come from you would be fun or me or Polly. Yeah, about any of the electees. I'm not. I'm not too outraged at all. The little bit. No, Todd Helton, I'm not just I, a tiny bit. I, no, uh, right. I, I no. think Todd Helton was a guaranteed Hall of Famer. Well, yeah, you think he was guaranteed a Hall of Famer. That doesn't mean you think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's a Hall of Famer. All right, we'll get to that after a check of traffic here on 97.3 The Fam. Let's start with the congratulations. 21 years, 477 home runs, over 3,000 career hits. You get to 3,000 hits. I mean, it seems like you're a slam dunk Hall of Famer. There were still almost 5% of the electorate that didn't vote for him on the first ballot, but he got in comfortably as everybody expected. I will admit, you know, and and I watched a lot of the start of Adrian Beltre's career, played his first seven seasons with the L.A. Dodgers in the NL West, coming up as a young prospect uh, for L.A. And as I was watching, I didn't think, ooh, I'm seeing a Hall of Fame career get started here for Adrian Beltre. He was was a solid member of that team, but not someone that I was like, oh, i got to get to the game tonight. I'm going to get to see Adrian Beltre play. But... When he got to Texas, when he got to Texas, you started to go, oh, okay, he's he's a force. Like he is a he's got a ridiculous glove. I was in Seattle still when he went there after the Dodgers. Yep. He played like five or six seasons up there, and he was a freaking stud. He was like what we have with Manny Machado now in San Diego. That guy could pick. Anything at third base. Yeah, he 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 was nasty. Fair or not, though, had he only played 15 seasons and only had 2,500 hits and 380 home runs, he might not have been a Hall of Famer. But at some point, just the art of sticking around and longevity and putting up numbers year after year makes you worthy of the Hall of Fame. Whether or not you, you agree with that, you know, policy or not. That's the way it is. And and he stuck around long enough and he's he was a certainly eighty six hitter, thirty one over thirty one hundred hits, four hundred and seventy seven home runs, four time all star, five time gold glove, four time silver slugger. That's a, that's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. he never won a World Series, correct? Because uh, Dodgers, Mariners, Rangers. Reds, he was with the Red Sox. I don't know if they won. Uh, did they get one when he was there? Never did. He never won a World Series. But, again, it's baseball, and you can't make your Hall of Fame decisions based on what the other 20, you know, four or five guys on your roster yeah. did. I mean, Mike Trout, a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Whether you had a pitching staff right. or not, it just makes no difference. Now, Joe Maurer, who also got on the first ballot by a, a much smaller margin, very different sort of player, a much shorter career, Burned brighter, though, you know, while he was in his prime as a catcher for the Minnesota Twins. And he benefited, of course, from the fact that he played what most people consider to be the toughest position on the diamond and did so while also being the best hitter in the American League for a few seasons. He, hit it, he batted 306 in his 50. He still had a 15 year career, Joe Maurer did. Batted 306 in his career behind the dish. Uh, I know he played some first base later in his career as well, but. He was a stud too, and, and I he was kind of the one where I went, oh, I, I think he may get in. I don't know that he'll get in now, but he did, and I have less than zero problem uh, with Joe Maurer being a Hall of Famer. I, I I did think when he was coming up, he was one of those guys. Really, the fir- one of the f- first guys I remember being 
really hyped. Like, people really, really hyping him. And, you know, pretty much, man, barring some injury-riddled uh, seasons, that dude lived up to the hype every single every single year with the Minnesota Twins. Hometown kid, too. Great story. Yeah, no problem with him being in there. One thing I laugh at is when people say, yeah, I thought he was a Hall of Famer, but I didn't necessarily think he was a first yeah, ballot I just, Hall I just of said Famer. That. Yeah, I just I, said I that don't... because I, I, I thought, well... It's not my it's not my opinion. Right. It's it's the way that it works. I thought, yeah, he'll probably get in, but I don't think it'll be on the first. And, and that's lot. You know if how you it think works. he's a fourth ballot Hall of Famer. Then he's, then he's a Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. It yeah. shouldn't matter. And but it does. And and for the people who go, oh, that guy only got eight percent of the vote. He was better than that. He should have gotten more than that. Well, you're making a decision on yes or no. If you think a guy is. Just short of being a Hall of Fame. He had an incredible career, but you just have him just a tick below the Hall of Fame. You know how many votes you would give him? Zero. You give that guy zero votes for the Hall of Fame. And a guy who's just a little bit better, he gets all of your votes for the Hall of Fame. It's a yes or no. It's black or white. There really isn't a maybe on that box. You can't go... Uh, you know what? I give him 48% of my Hall of Fame vote this year. I think he was close. I don't know who was there. It's yes or no. So to me, the vote totals are a little silly and irrelevant. He got in. No, have no problem with Joe Maurer getting. I also don't have a problem with guys who didn't vote for him. Uh, if, if it was my Hall of Fame, my standards would be really, really high. And it'd be a much smaller Hall of Fame. But that's just the way I am. It would be just Delilah in the Hall of Fame. That would be the only person in the Hall of Fame. Tony Gwynn and Delilah. Yeah, Delilah, yeah. that's it. I, lo- I loved this quote from Todd Helton. Uh, because you do see it. You're already seeing it in the chat. Like, hey, very, very, very good player. Coors Merchant, all that stuff. Here's a quote from Todd. He says, look, you don't get to pick where you play. I never thought about this, by the way. You don't get to pick where you play. You always want to hit better at your home park. Carried a career OPS of one. Uh, 1,048 at home and 855 on the road. He said, I'm not embarrassed or anything by my home and road numbers. Going on the road after hitting in Colorado is hard. The ball breaks more. It's a huge adjustment going throughout the season. Going through that rigorous grind of being able to make those changes midseason, it's a good place to hit. But there's some drawbacks and toughness about going and playing there. I never thought of the other way. You only think about the guys that play, you know, 81 games in Colorado. You go, ah, oh, you lucky, you lucky bastards. The ball's flying out of there. If you've ever played golf in Arizona or Colorado, or anything, the ball just flies. You're like, I could shave three to four strokes off my game playing here. But what you don't think about is when you have to go from Colorado to San Diego on your next trip. And you're like, oh my God, now I got to sit on, you know, now the curveballs are actually breaking. The sliders are actually sliding. Um, difficult to make that adjustment. So. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. And Todd Helton got in on his a sixth ballot. He, you know, he slowly kind of cre- crept up to the 75% necessary uh, to get there. But I know that when I was watching him play as a Padres fan, he always terrified me. 100 terrified me as a batter, and not just in Colorado. And maybe, maybe this will help sway some of the uh, naysayers out there. Todd Helton yesterday talking about, well, one of our beloved, the most beloved Padre there's ever been. Hey, Todd, big compliment here. Tony Gwynn told me this guy's a Hall of Famer in your second season. He knew it was coming. He just loved you and loved watching and competing against you. It was amazing. Just want to tip that in there for you. Yep. I appreciate it. Uh, Tony gave me the best advice hitting that I that I ever had. And I and it was something that I, I used that game in every at bat the rest of my career. And um so I he, he didn't have to. He came over 
and, and, and sat me down and talked to me like Tony Gwynn does. And, uh, you know, I was drafted by the Padres out of high school, so I was a Tony Gwynn fan. And um, what did he tell you? What did he tell you? Yeah, I tell you what he told me. He said, Todd, where, where do you look at when you're when you're looking at the pitcher to see the ball? And I, I gave the stock answer. Um, you know, I, I picture a place right up uh, where, where the ball is going to come out. He's like, Todd, you can't do that. He's like, your, your eyes wander too much if, if you're um, if you're doing that. He said, you got to pick a specific spot on the pitcher, and then when he's about to release the ball, you just move your eyes over just a hair. And uh, it works. Um, <laughs> and now you're all really Hey, maybe you give that advice. I don't know. Like, let's not coach guys up in the middle of se- Manny's. Like, hey, no, you got to get your butt down when you field the ball. Like, <laughs> let their coaches figure it out, T. Gwynn. But no, that's who he was. He loved to talk. That's interesting. Uh, you know, and I've heard Tony Gwynn interviewed so many times in his career. I don't know if I ever heard that specific piece of hitting advice I'll from Tony. Be trying it this weekend. Who to was be honest with you, known for his incredible ability to see the ball. Uh, you know, see the seams, the spin, everything out of a pitcher's hand, unlike almost anybody else. And he said, "No, you've got to pick a specific spot on the pitcher, and then at the last second when he shift releases, then you shift your eye because if you're kind of a." Focusing on a nebulous area, your eyes will never get locked in. So he kept his eyes locked in the entire time on one specific spot, and then it went to the baseball right as the pitcher was releasing. Certainly worked for Tony Gwynn, and apparently it worked well for Todd Helton. He tried it that night. It's <laughs> like, all right, I'll give it a whirl. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. So no problem there with Todd Helton getting in either. Monster, monster hitter, great defender as well. Um, Thought it was a. I thought it was a, a foregone conclusion. Speaking of uh, Manny, we also have some audio of Manny Machado talking about fellow third baseman uh, Adrian Beltre, also on uh, MLB Network. Manny, the first time that you saw Adrian Beltre, that you guys were on the same field, I remember as, as kids we would always talk about Adrian Beltre. But for you, when you were on that field, what did that mean to you? I mean, first off, I want to congratulate Belcher. What an amazing career. Obviously, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know, I know myself, a bunch of players around the league always uh, admire him, look up to him. He's a player that we all wanted to be. So, um, you know, it, it was truly a blessing to play alongside him, play with him in the Dominican Republic t- national team, um, watch him play and, and learn from him as well. So, now seeing him in the game is, is I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. I love, I love every bit of it. Another Dominican to the Hall of Fame. So, mucha bendición, hermano. Felicidades. And, um, you know, what, a, what an amazing career he had. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's like I just said, I mean, he, he's an unbelievable player. He's a talent. For myself, I looked up to him. I was a shortstop growing up. Came out through the, through the minor leagues as a shortstop. Didn't know anything about their base. So what did I do? I mean, first thing I did was go watch Agent Belcher highlights. And, um, you know, from, from his sick backhand plays to slow rollers coming up, getting down on one knee, falling down to the ground, making those throws, just trying to try to imitate as best as you can to try to do the bow trade. And obviously that cannon he had as an arm was, was, was one of the best in the game or if if not the best ever. So, uh, yeah, he was just a guy that we always looked up to, great leader, great guy, um, you know, and obviously one of the best people to play this game. Manny Machado on uh, new Hall of Famer Adrian Beltre. Uh, and I, this is not a knock on Adrian Beltre, but it always looked Manny 
as a superior player, just yeah, following along in his career. Yep. And uh, I'd assume that Manny will end up in the Hall of Fame someday as well. Uh, there were some pieces written in the past week about Manny's numbers and how he's pretty much you know on track. As long as he keeps going, he should he should get there fairly comfortably. But kind of comparing year for year and player for player over the course of you know Manny's what about 10, 10, 11 years into his career now, I would say he's even on a higher track than Adrian Beltre was at this point. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if he stays healthy, yeah, sky's the limit, Ben. Uh, first ballot for sure for our beloved Manny Machado. Also, uh, Gary Sheffield was one that I was really, 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 really bummed to see. Did not make it. The story of baseball, can't tell it without Chef. You just can't. And uh, I understand, well, I don't understand the logic and the reasoning, but the way the logic and the reasoning has worked uh, with Cooperstown lately is if there was really honestly, well, no, that's that's a lie. Yeah, I was going to say, with, well, right. <laughs> Typically what it's been is, oh, you. there were some whispers about you being on PED, so we can't put you in. But that's just not the case anymore. Pudge Rodriguez, David Ortiz. I mean, all these guys were linked to like Piazza. Yeah, performance-enhancing drugs. Gary Sheffield was linked to the Balco investigation. Nothing ever happened. I mean, I didn't find out anything, but the the whispers and, and, and things like that. I love what Chef said last week. He said, I was a Hall of Famer the day I was born. Like, he's a Hall of Fame. Gary Sheffield is a 100% Hall of Famer. He should be in. No, and he's now he doesn't have a chance except for what the writers. This was uh, his last year. Special, the, special, the, the special exception. Yeah, the, the modern era committee uh, when they in. do that. Was that but, like ten years down the road. But or those something? guys have been pretty strict about you know things like that as well. And there's no guarantee that he'll get in that way no, either. But that's his only chance. That's, that's his, only his chance. Yeah, he's no longer on the ballot. That was his last year on the ballot. You got to put him in man. as a player. I know if you compare. If you ask me about those four players while I was watching them play, yes, and you ask which one of those four is a Hall of Famer, <laughs> yes. Gary Schiff would have been a fairly easy answer, actually, for me out of those four. I think if, like, what you just said about the committee and how strict they have been in the past, your only hope is that, A, uh, things change as far as the the general voting goes for the Hall of Fame with guys like Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, and we start to say, you know what, those guys are Hall of Famers. And that commu- uh, that special committee also changes that's his only chance. Yeah, that's true. The the composition of it will change, and, and it's much smaller. So you only have to, I think it's like 12 out of the 16, if they agree, you go into the Hall of Fame. So three players yeah, is actually... I hope we evolve as a baseball community in the next however many years. Three yeah. three players in in one year is actually a, a large class by Baseball Hall of Fame standards. I think there's only been a class of four once or twice. Next year, though, they're saying... We could see a class of five with uh, Billy Wagner at 73.6% just so missing close, the cut. Man. Uh, Andrew Jones and Carlos Beltran are also kind of on the rise and with you know more votes available, they they could possibly get in at some point. And then the newcomers next year, uh, Ichiro is no going to be a slam dunk, slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer. In fact, I wonder... Should be unanimous. I wonder if he'll join Mariano Rivera as the only unanimous selections in baseball history uh, because I can't see anyone not voting for Ichiro. Some edgelord will not. Some edgelord I, voted I, for Brandon Phillips. Yeah, but even... 
Ichiro even kind of satisfies the most hardcore baseball guys. You'd the, think so. I mean, Derek Jeter wasn't unanimous. Yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. was like 99.3. Now that the seal's been broken with Mariano, though, maybe it allows other guys. I just didn't want him to be the first to get every single vote. Someone's already gotten it. Now you can... The stupidest thing. Um, CC Sabathia should be a Hall of Famer I think so, well. too, man. He could, he could get it on the first ballot as well. I think so, too. I, I did see, though, for the first time in a while, no one sent in a blank ballot, so uh, maybe we are, maybe we are on the road to uh, not being clowns anymore, and and you know voting the guys in that deserve to be in. Uh, Jim Leland also going in this year, Ben, along with Beltre Helton and uh, Joe Maurer, obviously uh, well deserved. Anybody that rips that many heaters uh, should be in the Hall of Fame and still kicking. So, so um, Uncle Chen, the Uncle marathon Chen, runner, should Hall also be in the Hall of Fame. 100%. Well, the running <laughs> Hall of Fame, yeah, first ballot. But I, uh, no, I, I uh, look. I look forward to this. Is the the part of the process I don't really look forward to. I love the speeches, man. I every year I'm, I'm just posted up. Looking at the speeches, watching these grown men weep, sitting amongst uh, all the other legends up there. It's so cool. So I told you yesterday, as we previewed the Aztecs game, Wyoming will have some sort of trick up their sleeve. You were right. To try to take on the Aztecs. And for one half, uh, they had fans of Viejas Arena worried. Get into that and play a little take on Woods. Coming up, hour number two of Ben and Woods next here on 97.3 The Fan. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale with Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Sorry to hear that uh, news that we just heard in the, uh, the break. There, <laughs> it's not ben. news. I, well, the 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 
the story that it's Ben <laughs> just told us. Polly and I are both uh, suffering from some stiff and sore backs. The after effects of fantasy camp. And just being old and out of shape, you know, and you put all those together and you got a little tweak and um, just not feeling uh, up to snuff. And I said, I, I'm, we we're playing golf together on Friday to, as a show. And I said, I'm, Paulie, you're going to have to like smear Ben Gay on my back. And Ben said, Oh, this is one of my nicknames from <laughs> elementary school. And I said, Excuse me. And uh, not a nickname, <laughs> it was a taunt. A taunt. It was clearly a bullying taunt. But I, I have to imagine that most kids named, named ben, ben in the 19, you know, early 1980s. They called you that? Yeah, that absolutely. I'm so sorry, man. Mm. Nowadays, there'd probably be an inquisition at the school. Oh, you'd be and done. Parents for would be called in, which is absolutely meetings right. with counselors and and what have you. But back then, it was just you had to accept it that everyone there was just about everyone had a some sort some of sort of homophobic, humiliating, yeah, humiliating name nickname. Ben goes, that's and, why I was an icy hot guy. And, I, and so Paulie goes, so like, do you when you see it now, are you triggered? And what did you say? I'm not really a liniment guy myself. <laughs> I don't like liniment. Like yeah. if you were 12 years old and you were in pain, <laughs> yeah. and the school nurse said, I don't Here, want it. "Take some of this. Absolutely this will not. help." You're like, I can't. Absolutely not. Kind of burns. It, oh, yeah, it I'm burns not, like not crazy. Not really a big fan of that feeling. Liniment. Liniment. Liniments and things. Never like because you have the icy hots of the world. Yeah, you never done icy hot. No, either? never. Oh God, it's this good. dude is afraid to put anything I am. in his body and on his body. My I mean, body is obviously a temple. Your body is literally <laughs> the only temple I know. This man gets messed up off Advil. Ugh, I feel those Advil kicking in. If I smeared Ben Gay on your back, I don't think you'd make it. Exactly. It it does. It burns. Well. I'm sorry about that. We we got to do the icy hot show now. The icy hot show. Yes, yes, yes. Well, yes. After Jake Peavy's legendary story of the nuclear version of that, I just I, put it on your arm. I don't want to, but I want to. <laughs> sorry, they called you that, Ben. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I, you know what? I bet some of those kids are out there listening today. They probably are. You heathens, dude. Fine. I, I, you know what? And I was, I, I, it didn't scar me for life. Chris said, another layer to the Ben Onion. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you are right, man. You are right again. Mm. So, uh, what did we say like yesterday about the Aztecs? Wyoming and their coach, Jeff Linder, are always going to have some sort of trick up their sleeve to try to, you know, level the playing field against a team that is clearly a superior in the Mountain West. Correct. You know, the Aztecs just. Have uh, have more talent. They're deeper. They've got better players, and they should win most of these games. But Wyoming will do you know kind of crazy things to see if they can upset the apple cart. And yesterday's strategy, especially in the first half, was we are going to pack it in and double Jaden Ladee and guard everything in the paint. And basically, we're going to let the Aztecs shoot open three pointers. Yeah. At least you know three or four of the guys. Maybe not uh, Waters, but we'll let. The other guys who are so-so three-point shooters take their chances, and if they hit their shots, we're dead. Yes. But if they miss them, we're in it. We're in this game, and after a, a hot start. Well, I mean, you got to think if you're an opposing coach, what works in your favor most likely? Letting a team just go off from three-pointer 
from three-point range or give Jaden Liddy open, yeah, high-percentage shots. You don't want to do that in the paint, so that's absolutely the right call. The book is out. On- they had a five-point lead uh, both in the first half and the second half. A game that you thought the Aztecs were going to cruise turned out to be one that was very stressful uh, for the fans last night at Viejas Arena. Ultimately, though, the Aztecs are just so much better defensively. They won the turnover battle 15-2. to Bro, at one point I texted you because it was 6 o'clock right around bedtime, so I've got the game on and I'm putting the kids down and they're coming back in and I'm, I'm watching the game, Benny. And I looked at the graphic on the screen and it was Wyoming 10 turnovers, San Diego State 0 <laughs> Wyoming leading by one. And I text you, I go, what the hell just happened? They're playing, you know, clean basketball. And you said, yeah, they're, they've completely, they're just letting the Aztecs fire up threes and they're not making them. And, uh, Ladie, uh, while he ended up with 17 points in the end, wasn't, wasn't his best game of the season. It was, though, uh, Lamont Butler had a terrific game, Monster tied game. a career high with 23 points. And I thought Darion Trammell, was huge. He had another big basket right at the first half buzzer to give the Aztecs a two point lead. And then he was kind of that second half shooting spark, made a three, had a great drive basket and one that extended the lead to double digits. And eventually, uh, the Aztecs were able to pull away for an 81, uh, 65 win concerns. They were out rebounded 39, 29. It kind of comes and goes. Sometimes the Aztecs look like a pretty good rebounding team and other days they just get their hats handed to them on the boards. That happens against an NCAA tournament team in March. You're going to have a, yeah. a short stay in the tournament. So that's something that you, you've got to be concerned about uh, if you're an Aztecs fan, if you're Brian Dutcher. The good news now is uh, Aztecs get a week off. They don't play until next Tuesday. Big game at number 24, Colorado State. Uh, right now the Aztecs, I think, are a half game out of they first place yep. in the Mountain West. And uh, they need to come up with a road win. So they've got an entire week to get healthy to get rested, to get a game plan in, and go in and steal one of these games. And it's always tough, especially at altitude. But this one, to me, is one you get circled on the calendar. It's the start of a stretch. We talked about it yesterday. Uh, five ranked opponents in their next seven games. You want to start that with a win so you're kind of on a good footing going into the tough part of their season. So I've got this game circled on the calendar as a key one for the Aztecs uh, if they want to get to the top of the conference, maybe a one seed in the Mountain West Tournament and increase their bracketology line in March, this would be a, a quad one win on the road against a ranked team that's in the top, I think, uh, 30, 35 of the net rankings. Big one next Tuesday and some time to uh, to get ready for it. So, oh, it was. Uh, I-, I would classify that as a fairly bad beat last night. They, oh, they, yeah. They had gambling a, wise. Yeah, gambling wise. It was. F- Fairly bad. I had it at seventeen. I stayed away. I know. Smart. Yeah, the spread. I think started at fifteen and a half, yeah. and eventually went all the way up to seventeen, seventeen and a half. Some places. Yeah, and they had they they had a. I want to say they were up eighteen. There was a foul. They got up to eighteen yeah. at one point. That yeah. was the biggest lead they were able to get to. Four Boy, when he, five minutes remaining. When he got that board with about. 27 seconds left. I'm like, ah, just take it down and shoot it. Just take it down and shoot it. Why not? Why not get one more shot in? And, yeah, if they uh, hadn't dribbled out the clock, yeah. if they had gone and just had a garbage time Lay basket, up on, I'm in the money. You would have won. Oh well, but I, I got to stay away from games with that big of a point spread because you, it just it can be chaos. Oh, at but the it, end. I was watching at the beginning and I go, oh, that's gone. That you, money's gone. But, but you know, listen. San Diego State's not winning by 35. Right. Right. And 16 and a half. You're like, dude. All it takes is. Somebody on either team. Just, Let's say San Diego State is one up, up man. 
you know, 18 and, you know, whatever. Somebody comes in, doesn't get a lot of minutes on the season. It's a blowout. He's this kid's like, oh, well, it's my time to shine. Here's and my moment. Gonna, like, let yeah. it rain. Yeah. And if one of those falls through, you can be completely screwed. Uh, need, a, <sighs> need a contestant here for Take on Woods. In fact, uh, call right now because we're going to play in like a minute. 833-288-0973. Musical trivia. Try to qualify for a getaway to Las Vegas and concert tickets. But you get a call now. 833-288-0973. I mentioned yesterday that any spread around 17, 18 in college basketball, it's it's so tough because even if you're covering, you may put in the you know the walk-ons at the end of the game and the other team may go on a run or if you're betting the other way and you know you've got a team that you're betting to stay within 17 and they're within 10 like the whole game and then all of a sudden you get fouls at the end of the game and some garbage time and a walk-on comes on and hits a 3 cuz yeah. he doesn't get to shoot at all and then you lose the other way so you know college basketball is always a tough bet in my mind. Very. Oh, NBA's no better. Basketball in yeah. general is a really, like really anything tough. Anything over like a 10-point spread, man, it's it's dicey. Uh, the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl are available free from Westwood One and live here on 97.3 The Fan and on the Odyssey app. This Sunday at noon, it's the AFC Championship game with the Ravens hosting the Chiefs, followed at 3.30 by the 49ers hosting the Lions in the NFC Championship all right here on 97.3 The Fan, or simply download the Odyssey app and search for 97.3 The Fan at kickoff. Both games Sunday, right? Both yep. games Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah, doubleheader starting at noon here on 97.3 The Fan. All right, got a contestant on the line. It is time for the Wednesday edition of Take on Woods. It's time for Take on Woods. Take on Woods. Woods. And we say good morning to John. Hello, John. How are you? Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Let me remind everybody, Take on Woods is brought to you by Valvoline Instant Oil Change. It only takes 15 minutes. You don't have to get out of your car. For directions and discounts, go to SoCalOilChange.com. That's SoCalOilChange.com. Of course, you are playing for the chance to qualify for our grand prize monthly getaway to Las Vegas, the Westgate, Las Vegas Resort and Casino, and tickets to Tom Kiefer and L.A. Guns on April 11th at the International Theater. Tickets available now at Ticketmaster.com. All right, here are your category choices, John. You got Open and Shut Up. Those are song titles that either include the word open or the phrase shut up. Fade to Black. Uh, each uh, answer ends in the word black. Song titles and musical artists. And our new category, Spanish 101. Five hit songs in the United States that all feature Spanish titles. So, Open and Shut Up, Fade to Black, or Spanish 101. John, what will it be? Fade to Black. Fade to Black. All right, today... We are looking for five song titles or musical artists slash bands with names that end in the word black. 60 seconds. you got five questions. Answer as many as possible. You can pass if you want to come back to it at the end, and there's time. We will get there. First question is our two-second song. Paul, you're going to play you some music. Uh, you got to give me the title of the song and the artist, one of them ending in black, to score that point, and then we'll go on from there. John, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, 60 seconds on the clock. The category is Fade to Black. Your time begins when Paul plays the music. Good luck, John. Let's take on Woods. Uh, oh, my God, I can't think of this right now. Pass. ACDC wrote which hit single in 1980 title track is a tribute to the band's late singer, Bon Scott. Yeah, uh, oh, my God. 
<laughs> Which country music star produced four straight Billboard number one singles from his 1989 debut album, Killin' Time? Will Smith's debut solo single was also the title track to which movie he starred in with Tommy Lee Jones? Men in Black. Correct. Which rapper with a photographic name recorded hits including No Flockin' and Tunnel Vision, but also has faced a series of legal problems over the past decade? Uh, Kodak Black. Correct. Go back to our two-second song. Rolling Stone, Planet Black. Correct. ACDC wrote which hit single in 1980 title track is a tribute to the band's late singer, Bon Scott. Back in black. Correct. Which country music star produced four straight Billboard number one singles from his 1989 debut? Oh, we ran out of time. John got onto a roll there at the end, ended up with a score of four. The only one he didn't get was Clint Black on that last question there. Got the rest of them, though. Painted Black, Back in Black, Men in Black, and Kodak Black. Here's where you're at if you're John. You know Woods is not getting Kodak Black. I think not either. So I think you're in good shape. We'll see. And Woods doesn't get the category. I like that. We'll He's see. In good shape. Oh no! Bring your A game. All right. Putting the pressure on Woods. Sixty <clears throat> seconds back on the clock. Your time begins when Paul plays the music. Good luck, Woods. Let's take on John. Paint it black. Rolling Stones. Correct. ACDC wrote which hit single in 1980 title track is a tribute to the band's late singer Bon Scott. Back in black. Correct. Which country music star produced four straight Billboard number one singles from his 1989 debut album Killin' Time? Uh, Clint Black. Correct. Will Smith's debut solo single was also the title track to which movie he starred in with Tommy Lee Jones. Men in black. Correct. Which rapper with a photographic name recorded hits including No Flock. Kodak Black. Oh, oh, he did know it. He did know it. And he wins well it five done. to four. We weren't sure if you'd be able to get Kodak Black or not. You knew that one, though. I did. John, good playing. Four is not enough today, though, as Woods, Woo! with the perfect score, defends Bye. his honor and the trip to Las Vegas today. Did you know it, or did the photographic, photographic name help you a little bit? Photographic helped me uh, 99%. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Like I, Sometimes a good question has a clue has inside a good clue. the a, question. Listen. If you're fishing for compliments, I'll give you one. You write great <laughs> questions, all right? You're a great moderator, and you write great questions. There's no question about it. All right, John, uh, feel free to try again. You were very close. He, he rallied. He, like, passed, 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 and then kind of got on a roll and came back through him but didn't quite have enough time uh, to get all the way to the end. So good job, Woodsy. Uh, we will come back, and we'll get to Don't Do This. I have a number of stories. There was a very... I'm just going to say a very odd report that ran last night on uh, TNT's Inside the NBA, their big show, involving uh, a head coach hiring that didn't actually happen last night. And a firing that no one really knows why. Yeah, so a it's weird story. Very weird story. Uh, we'll get to that coming up next. Uh, let's check traffic and be right back with more Ben and Woods on 97.3 The Fan. Don't do this. It's time for Don't Do This. What were you thinking? Three stories from the world of sports that make us all shake our heads. Why? 
many times do I have to tell you? Oh, I'm sorry, I fudged up, guys. You idiot. You moron. You dumbass. The apple sometimes does far fall from the tree. Don't do this. Do not tweet that. With Ben and Woods. I like a Nickelback song or two. On 97.3 The Fan. All right, let's get right to it. I will start us out. Don't do this today. Trying to figure out what the heck is going on in Milwaukee with the Bucks. All right, remember, the story started at the end of last season when the Bucks fired their championship-winning coach, Mike Budenholzer. There's like a few don't do this after this one a, story. a first-round playoff exit. Hey, it's their right. They want to make a change. Yeah, he just won a title a couple of years ago, but... I guess they didn't, business, man. didn't like the direction of the organization. So they were really excited when they hired Adrian Griffin as their new coach this season. Replaced Budenholzer. They acquired Dame Lillard to go with Giannis. They got this super team. And they're playing really well. 30-13 and 13, near the top of the league. Uh, yeah, there's some defensive questions, but no reason to panic. They're in, in a great position to do everything they want to do and bring home another championship to Milwaukee, which... Led to a lot of stunned NBA fans yesterday when the Bucks fired coach Adrian Griffin with that 30-13 and 13 record. But our don't-do-this story is only just beginning. Speculation immediately centered around who is going to take over permanently for Griffin. Uh, Joe Prunty is the assistant who's going to be the interim head coach until they name a new head coach. And rumors started circulating quickly out of ESPN that their new NBA analyst, Doc Rivers, who is uh, doing TV for their top games on ESPN and ABC, is a leading candidate and in discussions. And you're not surprised that ESPN would have that report. He works there. He works so there, yeah. <laughs> you're probably going to hear some whispers in the building if you're, uh, if you're Wodge or uh, Woj or some of the other top uh, insiders for NBA. But then all of a sudden, later in the evening, you're watching the uh, NBA on TNT, you know Ernie and Shaq and Charles and Kenny, the whole crew, and they run with a report from CNN Sports that it's done deal. The Milwaukee Bucks are hiring Doc Rivers as their new head coach. Here's the problem. CNN Sports hasn't re- actually reported anything on the air or put out a tweet or a story. Now... <laughs> As, is with CNN as, Sports. As it turns out, so here I, I was ro- watching a thread from a guy from the New York Times named Sopan Deb. He's a big NBA fan. And he kind of broke it down really well. He said, what TNT is asking the public to believe. CNN breaks a big sports story but doesn't write anything on it because of what? The New Hampshire primary and not even a single tweet from any CNN social media account. They're so busy covering the votes in New Hampshire that not one person can even send out a tweet with this major news that they're breaking. Breaking. A scoop so good and exclusive that their own top insider, Chris Hayes, who's been reporting on this all day, has not been able to confirm it himself. So their top NBA guy doesn't know that it's true, but some unnamed person at CNN Sports has this and has given it to TNT. So they actually did publish a story about 1 a.m. reporting without a byline, without a reporter attributed to it, uh, quoting one anonymous source saying, yes, Doc Rivers is going to be the new coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. But no one really knows it. Uh, Shams hasn't reported it. Woj hasn't reported it. None of the traditional insiders have this news. 
So no one's really treating it as a done deal, yet it was kind of circulating. It was on TNT yesterday, and now there's just a lot of confusion. Is he is he going to be the coach? Is he not going to be the coach? What is going on why, in Milwaukee? Why was the guy fired? That's what I want to know at 31, 30, and 13. doesn't It doesn't make any sense. Does, does anybody know? Was there any statement from the Bucks at all? I, no. I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. It's nuts. It's a crazy story. This was pretty crazy, too, staying in the NBA. Uh, yesterday, I think it happened toward the end of our show, Tristan Thompson has been suspended 25 games for violating the NBA anti-drug program. And I went, oh, man, what uh, what what was he on? Well, it was performance enhancing uh, of that variety, Ben. Ibutamorin and SARM LGD4033. Um, oh. Yeah. SARM LGD4033. Zero seven three three. It's it works what? by stimulating the pituitary gland, telling it to increase the production of natural growth hormone within the body. With more growth hormone, uh, it helps with muscle mass and improved exercise capacity, and of course, recovery. Now he's thirty three years old. Body's breaking down a little bit. Decided to uh, grab a little shortcut if he could, and got popped for it, Ben. So he's going to be suspended 25 games without pay uh, for violating that anti-drug program. Now, Twitter is just unforgiving, and uh, as it always is. But the, I saw this tweet. Tristan Thompson taking steroids for a 3-3-1 stat line <laughs> is insane. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't play a lot. Plays about five minutes a game. So uh, maybe he thought, maybe, well, they're not going to come after me because I barely play and <laughs> barely do much when I'm in there. But uh, they did, and they got him, and he is suspended, Benny, 25 years. I'm amazed that they can catch anybody. If the science has gotten so advanced that people are taking something called... SARM. SARM with a bunch of numbers after it. I mean, how many... Performance enhancing drugs must now be out there oh, yeah. that they've created, and you got to come up with a test that detects all of these yep. things. I, there's just no way. Science is just too far advanced for any of these. I, I mean, it's I'm stunned that they they would catch anyone at this point. All right, finally a little uh, DD Mega Doo Doo today. Do do this DD Mega Doo Doo, and I want to shout out to our friend and former NIL sponsored. College golfer Steve Sugimoto, who, of course, has gone pro and has uh, qualified to play on the Japan Tour this year. But that doesn't stop him from still trying to get on to the PGA Tour and play in PGA tournaments. They had the qualifier yesterday. One day rain delayed for the Farmers Insurance Open up at uh, Bear Creek in Temecula. Now explain what that even is so, for somebody that doesn't know. So every regular PGA Tour event, most of the field is filled by, you know, the guys you know, the re regular golfers on the PGA Tour, some sponsors exemptions. But they always leave usually about four spots each week for anyone to qualify in a tournament. One round, and if you can shoot an insanely low score, you get to play in that tournament that week. You got to pay a fee. Yeah, you pay a, uh, like a thousand bucks or yep. something so to I get in. So you could have done it. I could have yeah, done it. Yeah, yeah, any of us could have yeah. signed up. Yeah, anyone can sign up, and if you play really well, and usually the cost prevents most hacks from doing it, sure. but like if us. you make it, uh, you get to play in the tournament alongside Xander Shoffley, and, and if you make the cut, you get the check, and if you win the tournament, your life has changed. You get the exemption like the uh, the kid in college did last week, so it's all there. Steve yesterday uh, shot four under. Mm. He was right there on the line for the top ah. four. Eventually, it ended up at six under the top four. There was uh, two guys at seven, two guys at six, a couple at five, and then Steve at four. I texted him. I said, man, great playing. Congratulations. He said, I am. I left a few shots out there on the course, but 
I now know. I can play with these guys. I texted him the same thing because in those qualifiers, our buddy Travis said, Woodsy, in those qualifiers were 40 oh, yeah. PGA wins. Okay? Ke- Kevin Tway, Sangmoon Bay. I mean, guys that you've seen on the PGA Tour Dude, trying to 40, get in there. 40 PGA wins, and our guy is there damn near close to the end. Look, no, no points for second place, essentially, but... As far as a guy just getting his career off the ground, to know that I can go in there and hang with those guys, I texted him the same thing, Benny. I go, dude, you can do this. Like you can. He goes, I know. And I said, where'd you leave your shots? He said, I missed a couple of six footers and lipped out. And you know, those three go in. That dude's playing in the Farmers today. Yeah. If those go in, that close, that close, man. And, and guys will play and try for years and not qualify. I mean, you got eighty great golfers and just a couple of spots every week, so it's so hard to get in. As a Monday qualifier. Very proud of him, man. Very awesome. proud. One side note, because I was looking at the scores all day, and I, I went to the bottom of the standings. So finishing in last place with an 89-17 over par. Shigatoshi Hasegawa. You remember Shigatoshi Hasegawa? Yes, the yes. former reliever for the Angels and the Mariners. He's 55 years old now. He's a golfer, though. Damn. Has, uh, has been trying eventually. He's been playing in some of these Monday qualifiers to see if he <laughs> can get amazing. in one day. But, uh, yeah, he did not come close to qualifying. But, I haven't uh, heard that name, haven't in, heard that name in a long time. And I go, I know that name. Shigatoshi Hasegawa. Well, yeah. He was the same guy. It's pretty nuts that the lowest score out there is an 89, which I would punch somebody in the mouth. The worst <laughs> score. Yeah. yeah, the worst. Yeah, the, the and worst. And that score. was, he was nine strokes worse than the second worst guy who shot an 80. Damn. And by the way, this is on a water soaked course yeah. they're playing the tips these are all such good golfers even the guys who aren't even <laughs> like on the tour or on the corn ferry tour or on the japan tour it's still they're play. still really good golfers Woo! out there congrats so, buddy hey i still think big things are ahead for steve sugimoto and that's don't and do do this for a wednesday that was don't do this with ben and woods on 97.3 the fan all right the padres at least uh at least for a little while yesterday, we're linked with a potential pitcher on the free agent market. Well, Is there it? was a, an outfielder that went yesterday as well. Ah, yeah. That uh, a lot of rumors yeah. and whispers. How are you guys doing? Are you, uh, I think we'll be okay. You're okay? I think we'll be okay. Yeah. I was right, thinking let's, about you Let's guys. get to some of those moves uh, coming up next with Ben and Woods. Do not go away on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Ginger Guard on his way to San Diego. 
There was a report yesterday. Ginger guard? Isn't that what they call him? Nickname? Oh, do they? Yeah. <laughs> Is he? A, he's not a ginger, though. Isn't that? Isn't that the the nickname that he went with? Yeah. I, I yeah. thought it was. Sin, sin, I thought he was Thor. I thought he Thor? was Thor. I've heard both. Um, you have? Have you? I have. Yeah. <laughs> Did I make that up? <laughs> I've never heard. I. He's a. He's, I think he doesn't like it. I, I can see that. Yeah. Do they usually call blonde? Like I don't call Bo, who's got long blonde hair, Ginger Bo, because he's. Got long blonde hair. Oh they, no! Well, maybe no. Maybe was it someone else who was Ginger Guard then? It was the. <laughs> it's Dustin the, May. Maybe was he? Oh, because he was teammates with him. That's why they called him that. Oh, right. Now that makes sense. All right. Too much Advil for a guy. Apparently, over Robert, icy hot. <laughs> so who uh, it was? Um, Robert Murray had that report uh, that the Padres were linked with Noah Syndergaard, and then he like then got like, rewritten, and they, they took him out there? of the, the report. <laughs> it was, it, it, it was like Pirates and Padres interested in Syndergaard, and then later on it was like Pirates interested in Syndergaard. <laughs> <laughs> These reports of teams that are interested. I'll tell you. The report was that Noah Syndergaard threw for like fifteen, sixteen. Teams here in Southern California. I'll tell you, nowhere in the world is is more furious. They actually talked about it on MLB Network the other day. The Boston Red Sox and their new GM Craig Breslow, who has uh, essentially said, "We yes, we were in on him. Yes, we were in on him. We have shown strong interest." Somebody had a at Fenway Ben. They did a, a meme of a fake banner uh, hanging over the the green monster that said, "You know." We remain very interested in. I mean, it was they're just getting killed because they haven't they haven't really done much either. But uh, a couple of moves at least yesterday to talk about uh, baseball picking up just a just a hair. I think it was um, I think it was Tom on Twitter made the great point. If the Dodgers couldn't get much out of him, and they're a team that tends to get a lot out of their pitchers, that's not a good sign for Noah Syndergaard. And last season he went two and six with a six point five zero ERA. I get the Padres are shopping for discounts and bargains and, and, and innings eaters. But yeah, I don't know, man. That's the type of pitcher I would expect them to be in on, like buy low, buy low. Hope that they can, you know, find that old flame again. Do but... you do you look at, at what Ben just said? Do you look at what happened with the Dodgers and go, well, if they're not doing it, we're not going to be able to do it. I mean, Ruben Niebla is, is a magician of sorts. Absolutely, and, I think you look at that. It's and, like and we look at that with the Rays too. A lot of times, it's just money. Yeah, but they're one of the smartest organizations in baseball, and if they're giving up on a player, you got to at least question it. Why they're doing it? And and again. I know that uh, the Dodgers certainly had better people to replace them. The Padres could really, really use an arm. <sighs> I, I could talk myself into anything, certainly. There's no bad one-year deals, guys, okay? So if it's a one-year deal for $4 million. $5 million bucks. I mean, okay. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I don't know. Even if it's a one-year deal for $4 million bucks, it feels like you're just flushing $4 million It, it bucks definitely does. It, 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 it could. It could. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. But, but you, need, you need bodies. You need arms, man, at this point. We've you said need it to, every year. You this need team to, needs pitching. You need to fill that arm barn. Uh, with plenty of with, with guys down there and depth and all that, now I just don't know what he's got left in the tank. Even in 2022, when we were feeling pretty good about the starting pitching staff, one through five, even one through six and seven, it wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. And by the way, I mean, since we started doing the show together, there's no 
It's no secret that A.J. Preller has lusted after uh, Noah Syndergaard. I mean, he was rumored in trades true, six years true. ago. Yeah, so Not the first time we've heard this. Yeah, so it, there's a, there's a it, the other one that went yesterday was Joey Gallo was another name that we constantly right, let's, hear. Let's let's talk about the signings from yesterday okay. as well, and whether we're uh, we feel bad that the Padres didn't get on on either of the guys who signed yesterday. We'll do that after a check of traffic here on ninety seven three The Fan. At some point, we're going to just stop speculating that Joey Gallo could be a future Padre. I, I'm fine. We do that. it every off season, and I mean, he never ends up with the San Diego Padres. And once again, make no mistake, though, I don't know that anybody on this 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 crew uh, actually wants Joey Gallo here. I don't think that you'd be really excited about it. Now he signed yesterday with the Washington Nationals, a one year deal worth five million dollars. Which honestly seems like a lot, considering the trajectory of his career. He was last uh, an all-star in 2021, but the last uh, couple of seasons have been pretty awful. In 2022, 638 OPS. 2023, just a 741 OPS. He hit some home runs still, and How he walked some. Last, he had last. 21 home runs, but hit 177 with a 300 on base percentage. So, yeah, he walks a lot, but when you hit 177, there's no amount of walks that can really get you to the level of being a a valuable everyday type contributing baseball player. I mean, it it, it you know, you throw 20 home runs on that number, okay. You look at that, but you're not getting him for five million dollars. That's Kyle. That's your Kyle Schwarber. You about one eighty six with forty four bombs, and you're you know slugging the the moon. Wouldn't and- you rather have Trent Grisham? Than Joey Gallo, yeah. yeah. I mean, Trent's got some power, maybe not Joey power, but he'll hit for about the same and better average with the better same defender. amount of walks and a way better defender. I mean, Joey's not a bad defender, but a way better valuable position out there in center field. And we've already known Padres have moved on from Trent Grisham. Why would they just go down that road for the same price or more with a Joey Gallo? Look, I hate to be the you know the the glass half empty guy but also man like who's the last guy that's come here that we fixed into you know hitting pitching is a whole different ball game P- pitchers like to pitch in petco park i don't know that petco park is the place you come and play through the marine layer in the first few months of the the season and say yeah this is where i'm going to get the old stick back on track i who's the last guy that's come here and and you know it takes guys a while to get adjusted here so i don't know that a reclamation project like like a joey gallo uh, even for a, a paltry 5 million dollars to a lot of teams uh, made a lot of sense here other than the the only way that it makes sense is we need guys we need guys we're trying to fill an adult team roster and we need guys and that's it that's it. So I don't know who else he's got his 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 glimpse on, but um, I think that I'm fine passing on Joey Gallo. The one thing you can do with Joey Gallo that you can't do with Trent Grisham and some of the other outfielders is dream on the 41 homers he hit in 2017 yep. and the 40 homers he hit in 2018 yep. and the 38 he hit in 2021. He hasn't done that in a while, and the rest of the numbers have been consistently bad, but you can dream on it and you go, well, he did it. He did it a few years ago. Maybe he Maybe can find, do it again. Find it again. And that's really the only yep. selling point on Joey Gallo. But to me, that's more of a you're just putting your hands together and going, oh, please, you know, I, whatever that magic that we don't understand in baseball, that sometimes a guy figures it out again after he's lost it for a while. Could that happen to Joey Gallo? I mean, theoretically, it could. Sure. 
but there's no evidence to indicate that Joey Gallo is on an upward trajectory. It's simply been downward and pretty steeply the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, the other move, uh, yes. made yet, a couple other moves uh, made yesterday. Reese Hoskins going to the Brewers. I think it's a great fit for them. Uh, if Reese Hoskins was a left-handed first baseman, I think uh, he could be wearing uh, Padres brown and gold. Ben, he was a right-hander. We have a very right-handed heavy lineup. I don't, and it's probably the thirty-four million dollars too that had something to do with the Padres not being in on it. That's a that's a, a price I thought was a little bit high for a guy coming off of major injury, but uh, I think he's a good fit there. It's uh, it's not I'm not unexpected coming off the injury. The second year is an option. He can opt out after the, it's a two year deal, but essentially it's one year with an option because he can opt out uh, if he wants to after the first year. So, you know, it's, it's one of those. If he plays well, it's probably a one year deal and he hits the free agent market again. If he doesn't, he's got a little extra security for that second year and the Brewers are probably regretting that they signed him for the two year deal. I think this move is interesting in that you weren't sure what direction the Brewers were really going this offseason. Yeah. Considering, you know, they let Craig Council go as manager. There's been rumors that you know, Corbin Burns could be traded at some point. They didn't even bring Brandon Woodruff back. He, I know he's hurt, but the idea of keeping around potentially into free agency, a good pitcher like that, and you thought maybe Milwaukee's like going to go into some rebuilding. This is more of a sign, like, I think they can still win a division title. If they keep Burns around in the in a National League Central that's not as competitive as some of the other divisions, that uh, they feel like they're close enough that they're willing to invest something in that roster and in Reese Hoskins, and if he has a good season, then you know Milwaukee could probably be a playoff contender again in that division. Yeah, they need they got they have holes too. They have a lot of holes in Milwaukee. Uh, another uh, recent addition, the uh, Miami Marlins, finally on the board but with a minor league deal, to Trey Mancini. Ben, they have uh, signed him. So they still haven't spent a dollar on a major league contract this offseason. Yep. Uh, Marlins have agreed to a minor league contract with free agent first baseman outfielder Trey Mancini. He'll be in big league camp as a non-roster invitee this spring. He's technically still playing under the two-year $14 million deal he signed with the Cubs last offseason. So the Marlins only pay him the prorated league minimum for any time he spends on the active roster. So uh, Marlins making some moves to improve their ball club. And the Angels uh, signed reliever Matt Moore to a $9 million contract. Now, See my tweet last night? Yeah. I, I feel like he's my age. I looked at He's 34. I th- when did he start playing professional ball? 14? Because I feel like he's been in the league for 25 years, man. He, I, I just get that feeling about it. You know, he it. was falling off the map, and then he got converted into a reliever and kind of had a, a decent... His numbers have actually been pretty good. So he was one of those guys. I was looking this up yesterday. That the Angels waived that the at the trade deadline. Remember when like Hunter Renfro and yeah. they got rid of everybody yeah, they did. just to save money and get under the salary cap, and he got claimed, but he was going to be a free agent anyway. Obviously, they didn't think they thought highly of him because now they've brought him back on a raise, even though they they waived him last year. It just shows that the Angels were simply playing financial games uh, at the trade deadline last year and trying to get under the cap. It had no. No bearing on trying to be competitive or, or going after the playoffs last year that they uh, got rid of him because they brought him back on a, a $9 million deal. But he's only 34, Woods, so, yeah, as long as you feel like he's been around. It feels My, like he's been around. Yeah, he feels like he's been around forever. I feel like I watched him in the 
late nineties or something, man. He's been. It feels like he's been around forever. The, the Angels have signed a few guys this off season, but well, they're doing the bullpen. Thing. Yeah, they got they're, Luis Garcia. Yep, former Padre. Um, you know, had a good solid last month and a half of the year for the Padres. You know, second half of the season wasn't bad. It just after losing Shohei Otani. <laughs> And they signed Robert Stevenson to he's a three-year, thirty-three. He's a good reliever. Good so. reliever. So they're 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 going that route. Which, by the way, is now they don't have as many superstars in place as the San Diego Padres. But this has been the the route essentially of the San Diego it, Padres it's, too. And it's not a bad strategy. No. A bullpen is a place where you can win some games on the fringes. It's just really hard to sell. Yeah, we lost Otani, but we bulked up our bullpen this offseason. We got Matt Moore. What are you complaining about? It's not something but, you can put on posters but or think about, send to season ticket members to get them excited about the year. Think about this though: you improve your bullpen and, and on fairly reasonable deals, right? One, two year deals. Although the Stevenson deal is the it's, second most expensive deal by yeah. Hater this offseason for a reliever. Exactly. So he'll, he's probably going to be there. But think about some of the other teams, like the Eraldis Chapman, ten and a half million, right? Does anybody expect Aroldis Chapman to be in a Pirates uniform on August 1st? No. The answer is no. Bob Nutting says, uh, let's get him. I'll spend the ten and a half now. And Knowing it's really only five and a half yeah. to six before we trade him and, and some other team pays the rest of it and we get a prospect out. A hundred percent. We're going to get a prospect out of it. They're going to eat the money. And people are like, oh, they're doing something. It's, it's They're playing the game. There's only... Five, six owners right now spending money in the game of baseball of, of any significance, uh, which is not good for the league at all. It's kind of a joke, uh, to be honest. So, you know, listen, with all these moves right now, when you see a team really stocking up on its bullpen, Ben, and they're in a position where the Angels are or the Pirates are, you look at it and go, oh, yeah, you're signing these guys to move these guys to try to improve your roster for the future. So um, that's the that's the system. Everybody's playing it that way. I don't think the Padres are doing that. They have too much money lock, you know, long term to uh, to other players. They're going to really try to contend, but <laughs> none of these holes that we've been uh, complaining about have been filled at all. We said yesterday there are slots to fill. I need some slots filled sooner than later. So who are the uh, the outfielders that are still left? Jerickson Profar is an outfielder. Michael A. Taylor. Michael Taylor is, is out, out there, there as a defensive option. Uh, Cody Bellinger seems like he's out of the Padres' price range. Don't don't expect him to sign with the Padres this offseason. Uh, I mean, there's just there's not a lot left out there, to be honest. Hmm. I mean, need a DH? trade market. You need you, you need a DH, possibly a first baseman. Uh, has Jorge Soler signed no, yet? He, he has, has not, not signed. signed he's, he's very right-handed, though. He's and you very need a lefty. He's he's, he's going to be expensive as well. Um, yeah, man, it's 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 feeling just a touch dire. Just a touch. Just a little bit dire right now. And there Tom may be Pham? Tommy Pham's available. There may be trade possibilities out there that we're not considering yet. Indeed. But we're now just. Uh, Few yeah, weeks a couple away. weeks, two and a half weeks away from the start of spring training, and uh, it remains a very dire area of need for the San Diego Padres. Yes. All right, we'll come back in our 8 o'clock hour. We've got the Woodsy Wednesday rabbit hole coming up that oh, everybody's excited one. about. And more. Stick around. It's Ben Woods on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Is everybody in? Is everybody in?
Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. On a Wednesday, the midpoint of our week together. Ben and Woods, 97.3, The Fan. Thanks so much for being here. You guys are the greatest audience in radio history, as far as I'm concerned. And it's also National Compliment Day. So I wanted to uh, get that out there to you. You've made our, our lives complete. Okay? And uh, make it a lot of fun to come in every day. Also, my co-hosts make it uh, very fun to come in every day. You guys are both wonderful at what you do. Compliments are flowing on National Compliment Day. I would like to just echo your sentiment. Okay. You started the show talking about some fan mail you got. Some yes. awesome pictures of Bo playing flag football. I actually received some mail uh, the other day after we got back from fantasy camp from a listener. Uh, her name is Tracy, and she reached out. She painted a watercolor painting of our dog, Jackson, uh, that we put down a few weeks ago. She heard our story. Uh, you heard, heard me talking about it that Monday, and she sent over a beautiful it's painting. It's amazing. Yeah, it's I saw that. It was really cool. It's incredible. so good, and she just captured his sweet little smile so perfectly, and I, it just it warmed my heart so much. I said, we have the best freaking audience in radio. Yeah, there's, there's no, no question. no denying. There's no, de- no question. So you thank guys you again. take such good care uh, of us. And we try to do the same for you as well. But, uh, you know, listen, some days it, uh, some days you're the dog, some days you're the hydrant. National compliment there, yeah. huh? Yeah. Woods, you are creative Thank and you, energetic. Uh, I don't like compliments. Thank and you. And you inspire me to be better <laughs> every you. single I day. Like and I, I appreciate that I uh, working like with you every morning. I don't like National Peanut Butter Day. Ooh, no, I do love peanut butter. <laughs> we can't even. We have uh, instituted a ban in my home yeah, on peanut butter. My wife and I are like junkies. <laughs> I've seen her. Now, she is very, um, she's very, I'll say, she's uh, uh, anal about things. This woman will w- walk to the kitchen, and I've caught her multiple times. Spoon in the peanut butter, eating it, sticking the spoon back in the peanut butter. She cannot control herself. Now, I'm, this, I'm not calling her out. I can't control myself either. When she falls asleep, if there's peanut butter in the house... I look over, I give her a little shove to make sure she's asleep. I creep out to the kitchen. I get the row of saltines. 
I get my peanut butter and I'll suck down seven or eight. I we so we so we can't keep it in the house anymore. We can't, it's not just for the kids. We have banned it from our home. I came home last week from camp and they had those my wife had those delicious pretzels with the peanut butter in it. Mm. There were maybe nine left in the bin. Done. I grabbed them all. I ate them. She came in later. She goes, where are those F are those pretzels? I go, I ate them. <laughs> she said, those are mine. They're for me. And I said, I'm sorry. They were there. We've had to institute a ban on peanut butter. No one is allowed to eat peanut butter in our home because we cannot control ourselves. You know, I chunky or creamy? Uh, creamy. I will. Um, I'll eat both. I'll do care. a spoonful of peanut butter. And well, I know it's not the healthiest because I don't. I don't like those organic peanut butters. They're not I, great, I, I man. Want, I want Skippy. I want Jif and Skippy. I want yeah. Skippy. I, I Smear totally it all over that. me. Yes. <laughs> but I feel like I'm making a better choice than what I might have had otherwise, like four Oreo cookies or something. Of course. You know, one scoop of peanut butter is actually a pretty decent, like, little dessert that I'll have. The protein. There's um, protein and, in but there. I won't, That's how I justify it. I won't it. scoop it back in. Just the one one spoonful. When a large, I, it can be a large spoonful. A big you know, old ice cream a, scoop. Yeah, a big, giant one spoonful of peanut the butter. The problem but. with eating a lot of peanut butter is when I do, I can feel my heart stopping. I can feel the plaque build up around it. And, and once I eliminate it, I feel better. But it's so... Good, and uh, it just it, we've had to. We just said we, we can't do it. I can't control myself. You can't control yourself. So we we got out of the house. It's usually, it's also National Lobster Thermidor Day, which is very exciting because usually that's Fridays, and to have it on a Wednesday is pretty exciting at home. So there is no way that you didn't take lobster Thermidor in your lunch to school when you were a little kid. What yeah, is it? You guys know what lobster Thermidor is? So I think. I, let, so you it's tell basically me, the twice. It it's the twice baked potato of lobsters. I don't think I'd like it. You don't like a twice baked potato? I love a twice baked so, potato. So I don't in, want cheese on my in fish. In a twice baked potato, they take the potato and you scoop out all the insides and you mix it with like cheese and throw it back in. sour cream. Delicious. And throw it back in and then put cheese on top and you bake it. With lobster thermidor, you take the lobster meat out and you mix it like a wine butter sauce and turn it into kind of like a, and then you stuff it back in the lobster at the end. With where you can cheese just, though, uh, you can gruyere it on top if you want with a little cheese on top or not. It's it's more about the wine and uh, like breadcrumbs and and stuff on top. As I bet well. it's pretty good. Oh, Polly's found a little lobster thermidor for us uh, on, on the, the YouTube, YouTube chat. Let me see it. I, I'm a little delayed. I mean, if anyone is listening right now that wants to bring us lobster thermidor, <laughs> you know, if you're, you know, it's like a main dish at your restaurant and you want us to talk about it, we could do so today mm. on National Lobster Thermidor Day. I guess I'm looking at the picture. I wouldn't <laughs> say no, I suppose. But it's if, delicious. But here's the thing if you're going to get lobster, you don't have to. Some stand up comedian did a bit. And he was talking about, you know, drugs in this country. And he goes, only in America is cocaine not good enough anymore. Now we had to turn it into crack. That's the same principle with lobster. Lobster's beyond perfect on its own, dipped in a little butter. You don't have to spruce it up. I'd agree with that. It's not hamburger meat. It's not a chicken breast. Lobster on its own. If I'm in the mood for lobster, there is nothing wrong with regular lobster. It stands alone. Mm, I don't know about that take. It just, stands alone. Just like lobster without like anything. No, you butter sauce. You have to have butter. Of course. Yes. Butter. That's all I'm saying. And honestly, lobster implied. is really more about no butter than anything else. It's so good, man. So you don't I don't you don't need to trick it up. You know, like people that get their steaks like Oscar style. I'm like, I don't need asparagus on my steak and bur- like I don't need all this crap. It's good on its own. You don't have to trick everything up. You don't need to wrap it in bacon. 
stuff it in a full bird with gorgonzola. You know, just eat it. It's eat it. It's perfect like it is. Lobster is perfect when it comes out on the deal. Thick. You dip it in the butter. It's you don't have to mess. You don't have it to mix it up that way. That's for sure. So good. So it's, good. I I never order lobster. Is the thing though. It's it's a lot of work for well, not a lot of well. Unless food. The, you know you don't you get the you get the thing and then you peel it off and then you throw it down. And you it's just good. Cut it like a steak. But it's they, really good. It's very overpriced. It's massively. But it just says market next to it. Like, what's market going for today, bud? Bucks? Yeah, yeah. What are we doing here? How many ounces? You never have the really cheap day at the market. Oh, market price is actually only eight dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, slow day at the market. I guess <laughs> it's always exorbitant. It's never a the good surprise on market price. Oh, really? You got that lobster for eight bucks. That's fantastic market price today. Free, uh, beans in the chat says lobster loving is Dodger loving. I don't get that. Uh, I don't get that comparison. I'm not drawing uh, that connection there. At, at all. But uh, I do love. I do love a nice chunk of lobster dipped in butter. You don't need Gruyere and you don't need wine in it. Just eat it. Just eat your lobster, Ben. It's also talk like a grizzled prospector day. I'm not not doing that. <laughs> No, it's not, is it? I, didn't, I missed that you one. Missed that on there. Talk like a grizzled prospector. Will you Google that, Paulie, and see if you can find audio of somebody talking like a grizzled prospector? Yeah. Like A.J. Preller? <laughs> <laughs> like a minor league prospector? <laughs> or like a gold prospector? I think it's gold prospector. Does, do people still prospect for gold? I'm picturing like Yosemite Sam is kind of the, the prospector. Wow. Like, How did he talk? I don't remember his... How did your seven? I don't fans? remember. Like, why are you? <laughs> How did he do it? I think you're doing foghorn leghorn. I think I'm doing foghorn leghorn. <laughs> don't get it. So I'm 49er, basically. Yeah. yeah. I saw a guy. We were at a birthday party recently, Ben, with the kids. And uh, it was at a uh, playground, like a park. And there was the playground. There's kids running around the playground. The playground's made of sand. And guess what I saw? Guy with his little metal detector. Prospecting. Prospecting <laughs> in the park. And I thought to myself, so this was a man-made park, right? Man-made. Then they brought sand to it. There's little kids running around here. Yeah. There's some parents. He's, he's looking for like someone's lost iPhone or something what are in the you, sand, right? What are you thinking you're find? that you're going to find? I get prospecting maybe on the beach where like, oh, some buried treasure wa- washed up and I found it. What are you looking for? A quarter? At a kid's place? So that's a grizzled, that's what came up with. There, uh, there's a, a satisfaction to just finding something hidden, though, isn't there? Yes, but there's not a satisfaction, in my opinion, at least, of lugging that thing around. Like if you find a quarter, you're like, "Oh, cool! I found a quarter. Found a dollar. Like it's great." But what are you trying to find in that kid's park? What do you think? Some lost diamond ring, maybe lost, slipped off some lost earring or something. Or, yeah, maybe potentially. Yeah, a lot of parents there. I know that I, you guys didn't grow up in California, so. In third grade, you study your state history. I think it was third grade. And so in California, there's a big, big project every year on the gold rush because that was a formative, you know, the statehood, 1849, the 49ers coming to the Northern California to, you know, they found gold at Sutter's Mill and everyone started coming to California. So one of my favorite things in elementary school is we did the gold rush day. Where they we'd go out into the you know the field behind the school, 
And, you know, the parents, whatever, they'd paint these rocks, like spray paint them gold, and they'd scatter them out throughout the, you know, the grass on the soccer field. And then you'd spend the afternoon, like, searching for gold, and then you'd have, like, a sluice where you could pan for the gold and try to separate the gold from the rocks. I I bet you loved it so I enjoyed gold rush days. So much. Quite a bit, actually, in third grade, (laughs) growing up in California. You know, my kids would, too. I mean, they loved that stuff. Fourth grade. Fourth grade, Mr. Garcia says so. And just, and you found, you know, the fake gold. Yeah, the fake gold. Yeah. And you try to get your little, you have maybe a little satchel that you put in your gold, your pouch with yep. your gold that you collected <laughs> over the course of the day. Uh, maybe trade it in for like, uh, you know, the mercantile store at yeah. the end because you need to buy supplies and snacks and stuff with your gold. Because oh, that's that. how the economy worked back then. Right, yeah. Gold-based uh, economy. In, in, and had his whole day planned out for weeks, I bet. Oh, just so yeah. excited. In Texas, we would uh, do we would go and, and rope and kill steer uh, <laughs> on our education day in third and fourth grade. So it was really cool. We got to... Learn how to rope and behead a longhorn, and so that was really Polly fun. Growing up in Seattle, they, they just had the rain. Co- coffee, coffee day, day <laughs> for the fourth graders. We did get to do in uh, in sixth grade. I got to go on an overnight, two overnight field trips. We had a camp Waskowitz, which was uh, like a three day overnight camping in the woods sort of thing. And then towards the end of the year, we got to go uh, to the coastal areas, mm-hmm. and there was an abandoned. Um, war bunker from like oh, World War II, oh, yeah. and they would—they were telling us all about the history there. Like they would have, like the whole area was set up for submarines that could come through oh, so the Pacific cool. Ocean into the Puget Sound, and we got to do like marine biology. Like that was fun. That's a good trip. Yeah, Ben. They just put Ben on a uh, at the back of a creek with a sluice, <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> panning for fake gold. <laughs> Uh, Kim Higgins, if you're listening, if you have any pictures oh. of our little of our little 49er, yeah, I think we're supposed to. I think we dressed up, oh, you know, yeah. kind of in the old kind of West kind of gear for the miners, <laughs> so some sort of bandana of some sort that seemed authentic. <laughs> I need back in the day. I need a picture of you panning we're, for gold. Honestly, aren't we lucky though that we've shifted from a gold based economy and now we. <laughs> Have real money and yeah, because our credit economy cards is our economy is so good. If we right had now. to like carry like little packs, of you know, gold? pouches of gold everywhere to buy <laughs> things at the store, divided. All right, this one weighs point four three grams. I'll give you that for a tank of gasoline. <laughs> then there's then there's be the guy that has really tiny pieces. He pours them all out at one time. You're like, oh, I'll just pay for it. That's man. just gold dust. I'll just pay for it, bro. I got it. I got it. Michael says in the chat, his school went up to the mine in Julian, and they got to pan for gold there. Real gold. That sounds cool. Did, Michael, that did, sounds a lot, even if it was fake gold. Did anyone ever find any real gold God, at the mine amazing. in Julian? Well, it's the it's the prospect of it. It's the, the line. That sounds better than just going to a park or with a fake field. color, <laughs> like fake colored rock. <laughs> laying in bed at night going, I mean, it could be me. I could find a giant chunk of gold tomorrow in Julian. I wonder if anybody ever did. Oh, man. I hope they still do that stuff uh, in, in school. We haven't done any field trips yet, but I hope they still get to do stuff like that. No sleepovers, though. That's not happening. Uh, bottom no of chance. the hour, the uh, rabbit hole is coming up. Oh, the story, man. Local uh, story. Of Coronado. Looking forward to that. Uh, when we come back, can we play that audio, uh, Old Guy Rants Against Analytics, again, and try to explain why everybody's not crazy? Specifically when it came to the uh, the Bucks going for two down, two touchdowns. Let me tell you, even I understood that. 
I, and I, I'm not good it, with math. I, it's it feels like if someone could just sit people down and calmly explain why it makes sense that we wouldn't have kind of dumb rants on television anymore, but uh, people apparently just can't grab their mind around the concept of going for two in that situation. We'll come back after a check of traffic. More Ben and Woods next on 97.3 The Fan. The next time you hear a sportscaster, a pundit, say that they don't believe in analytics or that analytics are ruining sports, you can go ahead and ignore that person going forward. I tend to pretty much agree with you that. Can, now, you can have a intelligent conversation about how much analytics should be part of your strategy, but to say that you know analytics doesn't belong in any, the game is totally wrong because analytics, like the decision, let's say you're at NFL team and you're down two points with two seconds left and you're at the 20-yard line. What do you do? What do the analytics tell you to do? You kick a field goal to win the game. Right. That is that is also analytics. The analytics is simply... Yeah, that's is, true. It's, it's, that's analytics as well. Now, it's also very logical to all of us. It's common sense. But a lot of analytics is just... The gray areas of where common sense starts to blend with percentages. There's a a couple of different things we can do here. Which one is going to give us the best chance to win? Do we have the audio? Yes, we do, I believe. I want to hear the rant. So in the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks game uh, over the weekend, uh, when they were down 14 points in the second half uh, and were trying to come back and they had a chance, they scored a touchdown. And they were down eight at that point. So you can kick an extra point and try to get down seven. Or, as analytics has kind of indicated, the most advantageous thing to do in that situation is to go for two. And yep. we'll talk about that. But here is the uh, the rants from PTI's Michael Wilbon against analytics because of the decision by the Bucks against the Lions to go for two down eight points. The two-point conversion attempt... That left them eight down. Don't start me with the two-point conversions. And the analytics say go for it. Do the analytics say go for it no matter who's going for it? So if you and I were on the field, the analytics say go for it. It's the stupidest, laziest, lamest thing I've ever heard for reasoning in competition. And I hate when announcers just buy it without questioning it. The analytics say go for it. Jared Goff. They're not buying it because someone said the analytics went for it. They're buying it because someone probably took a moment to explain. Even Woods understands <laughs> why why teams now go for two when they're down 14. It was Olsen that explained it. Greg Olsen explained it in the game, and I, I listened to it, and I went, oh, yeah, 
Makes sense to me. And, and Greg Olson tweeted with that, that Michael Wilbon rant. This is just further proof how vital it is that announcers continue to educate the viewers on the current approach to NFL football. It isn't announcers being lazy. It's the way the game is being played, and it's here to stay. The game evolves. Not sure why people push back. It's lazy just to think, all right, we're, let's kick the extra point, and we're going to be down seven, because yep. that's what's always been done. That's the lazy thinking. The more advanced way, is there possibly a better way? And the reason, again, why it is advantageous to go for two. There is, you know, they have the stats that you you make a two-point conversion about 55% of the time. You make an extra point, not 100% of the time, about 95% of the time. So if you go for two and you make it and then you score another touchdown, then you have a 95% chance of of kicking an extra point and winning the game. Yep. If you go for two, you know you have to go for two twice, though, if you miss it. You still have a better than 50% chance of both times making it. So essentially, most of the time, you'll make at least one of those two two two-point conversions. So generally, you'll probably be tied some of the time. And when you make it the first time, you'll win almost every time if you score that second touchdown. It adds up to a much better strategy than simply playing for overtime, which if you get there... You then have a coin flip chance of winning the game in the end. You've gotten yourself to a 50% chance. But if you go for that 55% chance and make it the first time, you've now given yourself a 95% chance of winning if you score that second touchdown at the end of the game. It made perfect sense to me. Now, if you want to question the stupid play call of throwing a fade there, fine, fine, fine. Question that all day. Don't throw a fade. Really, ever. I mean, there's a couple of mismatches in the league. You look at it and go, all right, fine, throw a fade. Now, if if that's there, the there, low percentage there are part. real world situations that Michael Wilbon kind of touches on, if you don't have a good two point play, like you know what, I how, think, you, how are you in the NFL? I, I don't you know don't why you'd be good... in the NFL, but if you used it already and it's like I don't know, our second play, I think they're going to sniff it out. Let's just kick, go really conservative. We'll kick the extra point here. You can make that argument, but honestly, the best way to win the game mathematically is to go for that two point conversion when you're down. 14, and you score the touchdown to get down 8. It just makes mathematical sense now, and teams are understanding that, and you're going to see it more and more often. In fact, it'll be it'll be rare where you don't see a team going for 2 when they're down 14, they get to 8, and it's late in the game in the fourth quarter, and they want they know they need another touchdown. They're trying to win the game, and that's the best way to try to ensure a win at the end. If you do happen, everything goes right, and you get another chance to score a touchdown. Moreno saying, "Well, how many times has this sequence actually happened in NFL playoff history, Ben? I don't, I don't know uh, the answer to that question, uh, Moreno. How many teams have done what you're saying? Predictive modeling is not reality." But through the it's call. not predictive modeling. We know how many two-point conversions are made, made and, and which are not yeah, made. We have a large sample size yeah. to know what the conversion rate is on two points versus one point. It's a, this is actually a, the, the most simple of the analytics that you can get even and, I, why, like and said, why it works. Even I understood it. Yeah, there when are when way he explained more, it, I went, oh, There right, are makes way sense. more advanced things that, that even I don't touch on and, and that teams are using nowadays. But this one... This one is simple. I had Titans had a game earlier. It wasn't in the playoffs. So they had a game earlier this season. Down 14. Did the two-point conversion. Scored another touchdown. Now they were tied. Kicked the extra point, And they won the game. And it, do, it can work. Uh, yeah. Is it possible that you miss both two-point conversions and then you lose yes. the game? 
Yes. Yeah, the, the, the old, I guess not the old way, but the, the other, the safe way is, is live to fight another play. You never know what can happen. So, but I, is it better to, is it better to kick the extra point both times and then lose in overtime? No. Not, it's still a loss. No. Yeah, exactly. Still a loss. But, but you, you don't know what could happen. They could throw an interception. They could throw a pick six. You know, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the old adage of, of live to, to, to fight another play. Uh, and really eloquently put by our pal Apollo says that was a stupid ass move by the Bucks. Going for two was stupid. Analytics can be stupid as well. Down fourteen, kick the extra point. If they score again, go for two. Don't give an S what you guys say. All right, <laughs> it's not us that say. I mean, it's it makes sense to us, but that's the way that they're they're playing the NFL now. So and and you know trying to win a game. Also, if you're the Buccaneers and you're really not supposed to be the winners of that game. Don't you also need to to take into effect and, and take into account? I don't want to be in overtime against these guys. If we can win this thing in regulation, let's win this thing in regulation. We have a better chance of doing that than we would going to overtime. It's um, but even if you don't have a better chance, it's still the math makes more. The math sense makes more sense. Yeah, than going to the, sure. the coin flip of overtime. All right, let's take a timeout. Um, I think when you picture back in the. In the 50s and 60s, a quieter, more peaceful time, especially at a place like Coronado. And Woods went down a rabbit hole recently that he shared with us that I said, I didn't know this. I grew up in San Diego. I hadn't heard this story. It involves uh, smuggling and uh, an organized crime ring. All run out of sleepy Coronado here in San Diego. Incredible Woods is going to share with it on a Wednesday rabbit hole when we come back here on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. I think what surprised me a little bit when you shared with me the story you're about to share on our Wednesday rabbit hole is this this was famous enough they did a, a 60 minutes story about it a while back and I still had I had I grow up I grew up here this is completely something I'd never read about or seen before I, I guess I didn't watch that episode of 60 minutes when I was growing up, but this is—it's known, but it's also not that well known around even San Diego. I'd, I'd bet you know I've been here 14 years, and in, in next month, and I had never heard of it. I had never really heard of a, a, an inkling of it. And uh, our pal Will Holder, we were on a thread over the break talking about something, and he mentioned, you know, this is what my school is most known for. And then it jogged a little bit, like maybe, maybe I had heard of this before. And so I went, and uh, I went down like I do. I went down like a three-hour rabbit hole. Uh, and I the the first thing I did, I read this long, long article. Found this from sixty minutes. And we'll get to that right after a check of traffic Next. on ninety-seven yes. through the fan. Idiot. The Coronado Mob. The Coronado Mob, before they were busted, ran a one hundred million dollar marijuana smuggling operation from nineteen seventy-two to eighty-one. And you have never seen a more unlikely-looking bunch of mobsters. 
They came right off the beaches of Southern California and looked as though they'd come right out of a Hollywood casting office. They were all high school pals 10, 15 years ago. There was Lance Weber who built the boats. Lee Strempel who supervised equipment. Don Kidd was the chief mechanic. Al Sweeney was the forger. Robert Lahodney made their most profitable connection. All these and many more of their friends and high school pals were in the Coronado mob. And the backdrop for this improbable gang of smugglers also looks as though it had come straight out of a Hollywood film. Coronado, California, a placid, sun-drenched community near San Diego, known best for its Victorian hotel, the Del Coronado, its naval bases, and its beaches. And the kingpin, the boss of the mob, he too didn't look the part. Louis Villar used to be a high school Spanish teacher and basketball coach. How did all these men get into the marijuana business? It, Look how he says Coronado. 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 It's like Ben saying curls bad. So I, I just Adele Coronado. I went nuts on this thing, and I did a little bit of uh, of digging. Lou Villar uh, was a Spanish teacher at Coronado High, and got to know several of the students over the years. And Lou kind of washed out from. He passed away last year uh, in September, as a matter of fact. But he kind of washed out of of teaching. And this is the late '60s, man. And it is tune in, turn on, drop out. You know, and so you found a lot of wayward youths at the time and people that really they didn't want to go to Vietnam. Obviously, Um, they weren't really excited about being in the military. Uh, They wanted to get high and they wanted to hang out and they wanted to surf and they wanted to do all the things that they wanted to do. And, you know, they didn't care what their parents said. They want, you know, weed is really busted on the scene. There was no March and Ash right down the street. No, you couldn't just pick up the phone or shoot a text or anything like that. So the first First guy had this idea. Dude, where we live in Coronado, if you paddle a mile this way, I'm in Mexico waters. I'm there. So they would go out. They would paddle a mile. They would get pot from Mexico for dirt cheap, and they would put it on their surfboard, and they would paddle it back. And that's how it started. So guy comes back, and he's got you know some weed, a couple pounds of weed that he paddled back then. Terrifying. The ter- the thought is terrifying of paddling that far. Number one, number two, with your cargo that you're bringing. But the demand was such where they're like, "All right, yeah, I'll go back and get more." So I did two pounds, and then five pounds, and then ten pounds, and then it was, "I can't paddle with all this weed on my board." What if we did like a little boat? Get a little boat, go over there, buy this for really cheap, come back here, give it to our friends, sell it, smoke it, whatever more already more money they knew what to do with and we're talking just 100 pounds at a time so then they realized i think we're actually getting hosed by the mexican pot dealers we need we don't speak the language we need somebody that can speak the language guy was driving down the street one day looked up saw his old spanish teacher lou Villar, painting a house just needed some extra money was you know not really into teaching not really doing anything anymore painting a house guy stops he says lou you speak Spanish, right? He goes, yeah, very well. He said, I'll give you 50 bucks if you come to Tijuana for lunch with me today. Lou said, yeah, let's do it. Bails on the house, gets in. Turns out when they get there, he's negotiating a deal, a better deal for the pot. Made 50 bucks off the deal. So it was the biggest rush he's ever experienced in his life. Was talking to these other guys. They started bringing in their buddies from high school that they, they went to school with. And they decided, let's do like a, let's do like a big one. Let's get like a couple of hundred pounds. And one guy built the boat, was the engineer. One guy was the spotter. Lou was the ringleader. 
This thing grew and it grew and it grew and it grew to a hundred million dollar operation. These guys had homes in Santa Barbara. They had homes in Vail. This was late 60s? Late 60s, early 70s, into the 80s. I mean, it went... So that's like a billion dollars it, it went. Now. It went nuts. It went... And there was more supply than they could handle. They just had to figure out how to get it here. They had these intricate operations with boats and duck boats and 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 all kinds of, of ways to, to be... Avoiding the, the Coast Guard, the Coast Guard and, and patrols. And, they did it at night. Under the cover of darkness, it was fascinating, and it was all normal upper upper crust, you know, kids that decided, "Now nah, this is this is the way we want to live. We want to be smugglers right now." And it all happened right over there in Coronado, Benny. So the mo- the most interesting thing this is, and it actually like hurts my heart that it hasn't happened yet. George Clooney bought the rights to this story. And they were going to make a movie called Coronado High, which is brilliant. Just brilliant. Coronado High. And I could see it in my mind. I went, this is, I mean, there's no question that you would want to sit down and watch that movie. He wanted to to write it, produce it. I think it's hit a little bit of a lull. It's kind of stalled out. But, man, like, imagine that movie being made. George Clooney producing or directing, maybe starring in it in some capacity, Coronado High, the story of the the Coronado Company, as they call them. So, a few of the guys have, have passed away, uh, but you can go to theCoronadoCo.com. So I didn't I think see, I read Lou passed away just last Lou year. Lou passed away last I, year. I didn't see the end of the story. I read some of it. They eventually started importing drugs from Asia, like Thailand, like oh, oh yeah, yeah, Thai, Thai, yeah, uh, Thai they, stick. They, they'd like you know meet the boats on the coast yep. and you know drag them up onto the beach and. Uh, and they get their supply from uh, from Asia. How did it all end? end though, so, were they ever were they caught? Oh yeah, they all did time. They all did time in prison. Um, <clears throat> had to give you know a lot of the money back, um, but they they got away with it for a long time, and they lived about as high on the hog as no pun intended as you you possibly could. Uh, and they were the FBI guy that caught them said they were the most. They were some of the best smugglers that this world has ever known. These guys were truly masters of their craft um, because of their brilliant engineering mind that could build these boats that were undetectable. And it was just a perfect team. It was like, you know, it was like it was like the everybody had a role. They knew their role. They didn't quibble about money and things like that. But the way they got popped is one guy wanted out. They paid him off, and he ended up getting busted for something else and kind of ratted them out. Now, they didn't do huge time. They didn't do, like, 40 years or anything like that, but they all went to prison. Um, it, if you can go take 20 minutes today to watch the 60-minute special, it's Mike Wallace ta- and talking to the guys that did it. It's amazing. It's truly, truly incredible stuff. Happened right here in our backyard. It blows me away that you had never heard this. I had not. I had not heard this story. And, uh, you know, this is like the same, you know, my dad, La Jolla High School, about the same time. You know, this is all going on. And San Diego was a much smaller community back then. Uh, There weren't nearly as many schools. You'd probably, you know, run into more of the, the kids from other schools than you would have ever nowadays when, you know, it's such a big big place now but back then it was a much smaller sleepier town for all of this to be going right under the nose of everybody just across the just across the bay there in coronado and you you think about that step in your life 
where you're like, you know, the guys, if the guy, if Lou had just said, nah, man, I can't make it today. I got to finish painting this house, right? <laughs> There's a, a threshold where you go, all right, I have to go both feet over the line. I can't do a toe in, a toe in the wall. I got to jump in. And all these guys did, all smart kids, you know, good students, top athletes. The, Lou was their coach in basketball and swimming. Like, these were good kids. They were good kids that said, I don't want to be a part of the establishment. I want to be in the counterculture. This is what I'm going to do, and I can make a buttload of money doing it. But taking that step into, like, all right, we're now drug smugglers is is one. I, that's what, what resonated with me of going, I could never. I, I don't have the stomach for it. There's just no chance. Ben, how about you? Could you have been? A- I don't think I would have had the stomach for it. No, Woods, to be a smuggler. Just the most gnarly, gnarly. I mean, if situation. I had to be, I'd be the maybe the lookout. The lookout. Yeah, I can you see get ben, too nervous. I can yeah. see Ben contributing with some logistics help, but not. Don't I don't no really want to be. I don't want to be there, but yeah. If but you need if my you advice, go this way, yeah, you yeah. might have a better chance. <laughs> so analytics said, tells you. Analytics would say. You said they were raking in like a hundred million dollars. Yeah. I did a little uh, inflation calculator here yeah. in the mid late sixties. Hundred million dollars, Lee. Nine hundred and sixty million today. Good. Lord, it's billion, like the, billion dollars it's like the Dodgers and Shohei Otani's deferred right. payments. Exactly. Now, was point. it just weed? Yeah, just or weed. Were they... they, they, I think they partook in other things, but they didn't get into the the actual smuggling of of things like that. But is there? Uh, I see in our chat people are casting the movie. Uh, I want Miles Teller as the lead smuggler. Oh yeah, Michael Pena as the Spanish teacher. <laughs> Pablo Pascal <laughs> as the, the as as uh, Lou Viar would be amazing. I mean, the, the picture Pedro that Pascal, I saw that's yeah, pretty like white bread, bro. Like, yes, there is as nondescript looking kids. That's what you know? Mike yeah. Wallace was saying. It's like. They didn't look like this brilliant mob, which is what they were. Um, they just looked like regular. Um, they look like they Fast should be on, times at Ridgemont High. No, students, Beach Boys so. cover of Beach Boys yeah. albums. That's what yeah. they look like. And they were all surfer kids, and they just said, "We don't want. We don't want to live this life anymore. We don't want to be like mom and dad." I mean, dude. For a while, when they talk about all their different homes and things that they had, you're like, these guys were really doing it. They really had a. Wouldn't you? If you got away with it for like three years, wouldn't there come a point where you're like, I've got enough money, I have these homes, I've avoided it now, I'm under the radar, I'm out. That's what would get me. If Even if I ever jumped, I'd be like... Oh, dude, it's like Breaking Bad. He got enough money to take true. care of his family for it's more. the cancer treatments and probably if he the, were to die, but he was like, no, now I need I need it all. It's probably the rush, too, oh, of, yeah. of the, the, the doing the act of smuggling. That They all said it. They said, when that boat hits the beach... And all those guys run down and they're grabbing these bales. They're throwing them in a four by four. That was the juice for them. It wasn't that you know we whack up a uh, hundred thousand dollars. It was watching the boat get to the beach and then knowing we did it. We got away with it. Obviously, uh, you know, drug smuggling is dangerous and a serious yeah. crime. And there's probably other you know tax crimes as well that goes along yeah, with absolutely. it. Absolutely. I'm curious though. You know, obviously. Attitudes have changed quite a bit, especially toward marijuana, yeah. which has been legalized for, I mean, how many years now? It's it's Bunch. been it's been, a, it's been a many a years now, and Six, I, seven eight years. People who are younger than us, who didn't really necessarily grow up in the time when it was much more strictly forbidden and you know illicit, if they have a different view of this story, oh, I'm, as I'm maybe sure like they do. A, an older listener who remembers growing up at a time when you know the. 
the potheads. That was, I mean, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just something funny. It's like, oh, that guy's just a pothead. I mean, it was like, ooh, stay away from him. He's a he's a head. dangerous. I used to call him a head. head. He's, he's dangerous. A, he's a head. You know, that's a dangerous thing <laughs> out there. I'm going to post the link on my Twitter uh, for you guys to read the story. There's some really involved stories. Uh, again, the 60 Minutes special is spectacular. Shot in that old, you know, 1980s way that they used to do it. Uh, beautiful shots of our city uh, as well. But it it was so riveting, riveting stuff um, right here in our own backyard. Did you guys watch my 60 Minutes? Yeah, I did. Yeah, we, I, you know, my, my parents always watched it. It was Sunday night. And yeah, kind of I watched it. Settling in, getting ready for Monday morning. And we ended up watching but it a lot of the time. When you up. heard the ticks... The weekend was over. Over, yes. The football games were over. Yeah, and you had this panic. And dinner a was bit. done, dinner and it was, was like, oh, my weekend is done. The ticks, and you knew it. All right, it's like the ticking sound. I got to go to bed soon, bath, and then it's bag. like Monday morning is here, yeah. and back to the home. Did I get all my homework done and everything? Am I yeah. ready to go for the weekend? It was the signal. Yeah. It was the signal of our youth. I mean, I like to stand for murder. She wrote after sixty <laughs> minutes, obviously. But. It was. I would feign interest in sixty minutes so I could stay up later. Dad, I want to watch this. I'm Steve Croft. Okay. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bob Simon. I'm Morley Safer. I'm Dave. J- <laughs> I'm Scott Pelley. What was that? Those stories Pelly? and Andy Rooney. <laughs> Someone did a parody. Or <laughs> I'm Dave. What? Jay. I don't know. This is really, really good. So I just. I mean, who were they? I Morley Safer, Mike Wallace. Um, Diane Sawyer. Yeah, I mean, there was the I, there was that core cast though when I was growing up and watching, who were the main Ed Bradley with his uh, Harry Reasoner. Yeah, Harry Reasoner. <laughs> I loved Ed Bradley, Ed Bradley with his, his earrings. earrings. Yeah. So oh, good. The one cool legend. Sixty minutes host. Mike Wallace crushed. And then uh, story, Andy man. Rooney with the eyebrows at the end. I'm of, Andy Rooney. <laughs> it reminds me of too many people that I know. Can't stand that. He probably dude. is not a fan of analytics either. Or going for two. Down or, yeah, 100%. Or drug <laughs> smuggling uh, in Coronado. Yeah, Dan Rather. I mean, it was a brilliant show, but it did. It was. It meant your weekend's over, buddy. Time that guy made an entire over. career of being, out of a, being a grumpy old man. Being a turd. <laughs> yeah. Dang, I don't understand. I, 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 I can't stand that dude. Oh, I never could. Even when I was a kid, I was like, I don't like He you, really man. missed his calling in Sports Talk Radio. Oh, he would have crushed it. His big <laughs> eyebrows. Why did Jace Tingler do that? <laughs> Gives me the chills, man. <laughs> Mike Schilt is an idiot, and I'll tell you why. Can't stand him. <sighs> Never liked him. I think he's dead, I think. He, they, most of them have passed away. Yes, he's yes, definitely. Shout out to your family. Long, long ago. It's been a you think it was sh- I family. don't think it was shtick either. I don't think no, he was like, no, I, I don't think he got off the night. He was like, hey, how'd I do? Did I crush that? He's <laughs> truly a I think he was just an old turd. All the, my coffee's too cold. <laughs> this chair's uncomfortable. I bet the production maybe, assistants maybe hated I'm working him. with him. God, maybe I'm him, actually. <laughs> Complained about my expense reports and the water and all that. Andy Rooney. I'm Ben Higgins. I'm Stephen Woods. I'm Paul Rindle. We'll be back with more Ben and Woods next on 97.3 The Fan.
a lot of people jumping down into the rabbit hole to learn more about the Coronado Gang. The Coronado Company. The company. God, uh, I want that movie made so yeah, bad. Too. Coronado I would, High. I would love to see that. George Clooney, if you're listening, and you may be, please make that movie. Or somebody go buy it from him and make it. It would be so good. So, so good. Did you ever see the movie Blow with uh, Johnny Depp? I don't think I saw that Watch one. Watch that one. Okay. That's, it's probably in the same vein, but um, different different drug, obviously. But uh, this this one, it would be so good. Coronado High. Mm. Blow. That's a euphemism or a nickname for cocaine. Correct. I know that. Yeah. Very good. One. Look at you. He's so edgy. <laughs> you can tune in to kick off with Boomer and Valenti every Friday night, 7 p.m. here on 97.3 The Fan this week. Of course, they'll be previewing the conference championship games. You can also catch it on the free Odyssey app. Presented nationally by Casamigos Tequila. Casamigos brought to you by those who drink it. And by Lowe's. Lowe's knows home improvement. Speaking of drinking it, I saw a fan yesterday at the Louisville basketball Louisville. game. Louisville. And they had a little gimmick at like the halftime where... you. He had to make a putt. So from one baseline, and then the hole is on the other, 94 feet all the way across the, the court. And if you straight enough, it rolled all the way and through the, the little opening at the end. And he won a 23-year-old bottle of Pappy Van Winkle yes, bourbon. Yes, I think I saw that too. Uh, which is valued, I think they said, around 3000 bucks. Yeah. And right. it's, I would say, I like finer things. I have never tried Pappy Van Winkle. Have you ever gotten no. a chance? Never had. Uh, had not sip. you either. You Did had you? a sip. Yeah. Uh, restaurant I worked at, we got a bottle. And- Very cool. Had a, I've had Louis Trey, though, which is a brandy. Or That's cognac, the one in the really fancy, yeah, the fancy crystal bro, it bottle. Was such a small sip. You were barely Could even tell. able to <laughs> barely tell to serve if it was difference. good or not, but I... Have had it. I've always won. I mean, how much better could it be than just a solid, you know, Bullet or Elijah Craig or just kind of the normal upper end bourbon brands? But I mean, you wear um, Costco jeans, and if you buy other jeans, you can see the difference. There is a difference. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm sure there is. But, but I, I'm sure there are some things out there where they're like, let's just jack the price up on these dummies, and you, they can't tell the the taste test. Like, you ever see like? When they put sommeliers through the taste test of like, all right, this is barefoot wine, and this is some of them don't, don't get know. It. That's oh, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, well, even the greatest wine tasters on earth sometimes will be fooled and go, "I think this is the greatest one." And they go, "Yeah, it's about twenty dollar bottle of wine from uh, California. This is a five hundred dollar f- French, you know, bottle of wine." And they go, "I think the California one's better." It's yeah. there's a lot of subjectivity to exactly right to tasting notes and palates are all a little bit different. But I've never tried Pappy Van Winkle. I'd like to try a, a a little bit of it. I like bourbon, you know, well enough when I do drink. That's usually what I drink is is bourbon. Now you whiskey. would yeah, you shouldn't mix it though. You'd want to no, have it just straight. On, I, I you would on the rocks it that up or, yeah. I don't. Maybe one I can't rock, do things neat. I don't do one hot rock. liquor of any flavor. I can't do I anything. Can do, warm. I can do neat. I would I can't. do. I would do that if we had a bottle of Pappy. ice. Just one ice. One ice cube. Yeah, one cube. One cube. Maybe one is fine. I wouldn't um, want it getting watered down. I that's what. It, sometimes I now, sometimes it. they'll say that it really? actually can improve the, a little, little bit a of water. little tiny bit of water actually improves the flavor. Okay, we went to a distillery. I've never really done a distillery tour, but when I was in Denver a few months ago, we went to a distillery, a whiskey distillery, and they told us that same exact thing. They said, uh, "Try this sip now." 
We did. Okay. And then he just had a droplet and he put like two drops of water into our, Changed our glass. It. Yeah. Changed the complexion of the drink entirely. Listen to him, the complexion of the drink. Nice. The notes. I like this. The notes of it. I, strawberries. And I don't remember exactly, but it went, It was, he's like, it just went from 86 proof to 94. That's so or, cool. Like whatever it was, whatever the numbers, but it completely changed the whiskey entirely. Just two drops of water. C20 Moreno in the chat says, sipped on some rabbit hole bourbon over the holidays. Just bring all of it together. Is the that a real thing? I'd like talk. to try that. Sounds like a, sounds like a bourbon brand yeah. somewhere, I'm sure. All right, I'll try it. All right, let's get to some headlines, uh, stuff we haven't gotten to. It's time for Polly and the Rindle Report. And get things started here with our edition, today's edition oh, of boy. the Rindle Report. Now tuned into the motherfucking greatest. Welcome to the Rindle Report. With Paul Reindel. Hi, Paul. All right. Two stories from the world of sports that we haven't gotten to yet. We'll start off in Major League Baseball. And one story that you didn't know you needed. Are you laughing, Biot? It's the Reindel Report. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Okay, how are you? On 97.3 The Fan. Are you ready to bless the mood? I need some help, please. <laughs> that was good. Can I get a all right. All right. I'm Paul Rindle. Good morning. I'm Stephen Woods. <laughs> I'm Ben Higgins. There's a bit there. I don't know what it is, but there's a bit. Well, 60 minutes. There's 60 seconds. Spoof. Yeah. We don't have 60 minutes, but we have, we have 60 seconds. 69 I like this. Seconds. 69, 69 seconds would be great. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think All we right. can make that happen. I think we can make something happen. Uh, We've been j- looking for a new segment. We have. Yeah. We'll figure it out. If you guys have any ideas, fire them our way. <laughs> yeah. We have the right. idea. Well, we have the name. We have an open. And the open. I actually need a concept now. now. We need the concept. Those are the hardest parts. <laughs> I, I, 100%. Often, finding the name of a segment in the open, that, that can be the toughest part. Uh, anyways, we will move. Uh, we'll start with the NFL. There was a hiring yesterday. Well, Tom Telesco has a new job. He was fired by the Chargers after uh, 10 seasons, I believe, with the uh, with the Chargers. 11, and he I is think. 11. Yeah. Now, he is staying in the division. He's going to be the new GM of the Las Vegas Raiders. Thought that was interesting. Uh, you don't typically see guys staying within the division like that. He did get a job right away. Um, I think that says something about his abilities. I think he brought in some really good players for the Chargers uh, over in his tenure. It didn't I think amount he, to much? I think he drafted I think he got much better at the draft when he got guys like Derwin James and stuff, but again, the 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 problem with some of his draft picks, as you mentioned before the show, Benny, they just haven't been able to stay on the field a lot, but I don't know that you can put that on him necessarily. General manager brings in amazing talent but somehow it doesn't all come together mm. on the field Sounds and work weird. out. <laughs> right. Started here in San Diego. I was there the day he was hired. I remember just down the street there at Chargers Park. And I, I like Tom enough, certainly. But I, this is a weird hire for me. I mean, you know, as the saying goes, hey, when the GM of the team that finished last in your division is available, gotta you got to grab him before anybody else does. I mean... Uh, the Chargers are the only team the Raiders have actually done better than in recent years. And they go and, I mean, he has experience. And they were looking with a, a rookie head coach, essentially, in Antonio Pierce, uh, who they made the uh, you know the full-time head coach after he was the interim. I guess Mark Davis said, I don't want a rookie general manager and a rookie head coach, essentially. Makes sense. So he went with the guy. He's got a bunch of experience. I guess we'll see how Tom Telesco does now divorced 
from John Spanos and the Spanos family. That's the and, other. And we'll see, you know, if Tom thrives in Oakland and they, you know, nail the drafts and Got- nail their signings and they start making this climb up, we'll know exactly. Chargers fans will have nowhere else but to point the blame squarely at one place. Which I'm kind of hoping for that to happen. Just, he, needs, he, he needs quarterback. But so it's kind of be... a weird I mean, three playoff appearances in 11 seasons yeah. isn't exactly hot candidate general manager material in the NFL. It's true. But I again, you know, the times that I interviewed him and interacted with him, didn't didn't have anything against him. Like, kind of liked him personally. Seemed like a uh, okay sort of fellow. And then he was gone, and I haven't talked to him in years and years. So we'll see how he does with the uh, the Raiders in Las Vegas. All right, moving on. College hoops. Saw this story yesterday. We are what are you about halfway through the college basketball season as teams are uh, entering conference play now. And last week, we're talking about the uh, TCU, the Lady Horned Frogs. They hosted open tryouts just last week. I saw them talking about this last night. I think I was watching ESPN too. They had too many season-ending injuries. Oh man! Like total. Hey, walking around campus. Do you want to play? We need D1 basketball, basketball players. Yeah. And can you come and try out for our team? Did you play in high school at all? We want. We want. We need women to come and try out for yeah. our team. So they blasted this out there. Had tryouts. Open tryouts. Anybody that is a student could then go and try out for the team. And the team found out that they had multiple state title-winning players who were enrolled there as just regular students. Probably had offers to play at other schools, didn't want to take it, wanted to just go to to TCU. TCU. So they just, you know... Felt they probably weren't good enough to make the TCU team, so they just said, I guess my my basketball career is done. Regular old students heard about the open tryouts. Three have now been signed as walk-ons on the team. AJ Preller, if you're listening, saw some really <laughs> um, nice talent last week out in the outfield. No, we didn't. You know, it's interesting because I I heard the coach was being interviewed, and he said, "It seems simple, but okay. So once we picked a couple of players and go, they can help us. The process of getting them on boarded and making sure like their class schedules work out now with all of our practices oh, and our travel and that NCAA compliance and NIL and getting them like set is like a massive undertaking huh. to get these walk-ons now onto the team in the middle of the season and ready to go a pretty amazing story actually yeah no doubt i mean and when do they play their first game they've been playing they i don't know i mean this window was the trials, uh, the, were, last the trials week? were last week yeah so i mean i don't, I don't, I don't think any yet. of them have actually played okay. yet but they're they're still in the middle of the season i saw uh, sean lewis is hoping holding open tryouts for any student at san diego state oh really this week. yeah they tweeted it out i don't think that that's super uncommon that, that yeah. happens yeah, before the season Walk starts, on, like well you know, before the season yeah. starts, but to be in mid, the middle of the season, mid-season. I mean, conference play been going on for two weeks now. How, how much elig- eligibility do I have left? Probably all. You haven't four played years. any college football, football right? It's true. Four years of eligibility. You also don't go to San Diego State. That's I true. Think that I could enroll. You have to enroll. I can do that. What position would you play? Tight end. I don't know why I laugh. Scout team title. Probably just yeah. as good as any other. 100%. Hands are not bad. Not bad. <laughs> not real tough, though. Big. You're not big compared to football players. 6'1, 235? No. It's a punter. <laughs> You're t- tiny up Kicker, there. little guy. <laughs> Even I'm tiny. Out <laughs> there compared to foot, you know, Division I football players. Probably but, yeah, open tryouts. This next story is going to infuriate me. Yeah, you sent this over my way. 
you've reached out, uh, you've mentioned it in between breaks uh, two or three times already. You were not happy at all about this last story. I'm so, tired uh, of this, man. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is calling for federal action to crack down on Zin. Zin pouches have become wildly popular over the last couple of years. Son of a bitch, man. And he says uh, the nicotine pouches are a danger to teenagers as they are using them now as an alternative to e-cigarettes, which were an alternative to regular cigarettes and so on and so forth. He said it's a pouch packed with problems. <laughs> Today I'm delivering a warning That's to parents punchy. because like these nicotine pouches seem to lock their sights on young kids, teenagers, uh. and even lower, and then use social media to hook them. He's urging the uh, FDA to investigate Zinn for concerns relating to marketing and health effects. You know what? If you want to hammer the marketing of it, that's one thing. I don't care. They're talking about trying to take these bad boys from us. Are they marketing towards kids? I've never seen a commercial. I, I or haven't even. A banner, I, a, I mean, a billboard or anything. Social media is social media. People tweet and whatever. Like, they've already in California, they've taken the flavored Zins away. Okay, so they still this, have them in Arizona. They do. I, Paulie and I loaded up. <laughs> I had some, yep. <laughs> Just yep. loaded up. First thing we did, hit Yuma. It was like, let's get some lunch, load up on some Zen. Right? It's it's for me as a long time. Uh, it's nicotine addict, hundred percent. You got me, right? Like I'm, I'm. It's it is I, what it is. I'm I'm split here. It's not chew though for me. Like I had to quit chew. I, I that's think hard. Personal freedom, choice, and responsibility is, I think, important. But if you could go back and never have tried tobacco at all, and not be addicted, and not have to worry about it, would you go back and just say, "I, I probably wouldn't." Never give really. I probably wouldn't. Would you? What would you tell your kids then? Don't do it. Yeah. Don't start. Yeah. Don't. Or start. go ahead. No. Don't start. Well, then why wouldn't you tell yourself that? Because you I'm my own person. I, I, it, 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 for me, like I made that choice and I haven't really been particularly. Knowing uh, how hard it is to quit mm-hmm. and how people struggle with quitting. These, these the actually very least, help. I can understand. These, these help, help those trying to kick cigarettes, trying to kick. Tobacco. For people who are on that, but for people yeah. who have never had cigarettes or tobacco, they can also them. be a gateway toward. And these aren't for you. You don't need them. <laughs> yeah, they're but, not for you. And, and, and I think that's what they're trying to stop kids. They're not trying to stop kids who have been addicted to cigarettes for ten years from they, using Zen to stop smoking. They're trying to stop kids from starting Zen as their first tobacco to get into tobacco use. Well, if it's not this, then tobacco still exists. Right? I feel like he's bought off from Big Tobacco. I think Big Tobacco said, hey, go after these because it's hurting our business. That's how I really feel about it. You already took the flavors from me. Now you're going to come after these? Bro, you will see a... I will be Boston Tea Party. I'm going to lose my mind. He's not the senator from North Carolina. Still. I I can imagine that. Still. There's not really a big... Who was it? Adam Schiff, right? He said... Uh, no, Chuck Schumer. Oh, Chuck Schumer, New York. Well, it's, it's not like they grow a ton of tobacco in New Bro, York. These things, have, it doesn't matter. They're, they're they're in these guys' pockets, the lobbyists and everything. I'm going full tinfoil hat at you. this point. Like the other thing I think about is this. So I know they've curtailed cigarette advertising. I know they've curtailed um, 
alcohol advertising at times, but it's pretty much shoved in kids' faces everywhere they go. My kids see commercials. My kids see, you know, whatever. Um, I'm fine with the not. Mar- I'm fine with not having an eight-year-old going try Zin. They're really, really good. I'm fine with that. Absolutely fine with that. But like, I'm a grown-ass man that can put a nicotine pouch in my mouth when I want to. This is America, Jack. Right? I, I'm telling you, I will. I may march if I had to for this. It's just getting ridiculous at this point. I mean, I mean for me, like, I think use... about all the think about the uh, the other problems in this country. This is what you're worried about. Yeah. You have fentanyl coming over the border. You got fentanyl everywhere. You got people sleeping on the streets. Let's hone in our focus on a little. Don't worry about this. We'll be fine. We got it. Interesting. I I appreciated them as a alternative to chewing tobacco, which I did for eight or nine years. It's a disgusting habit, but I was addicted. Bad. And I will give California credit because when they I, I used the flavored stuff and when they got rid of it, it's like, well, I don't really have a choice. Yeah, but you don't have quit. a choice. But I, I've been uh, almost four years now. Yeah, and my dentist told me like the, the Zin pouches aren't going to do anything. Like they're, they're not going to hurt you, and if that helps, then you're fine. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're marketing towards children. I don't either. I mean, look, we were all teenagers, and all of us except for Ben. <laughs> ben was born at forty-five years old. <laughs> you're gonna find stuff. You're gonna find cigarettes. You're gonna find you know tobacco. You're gonna find liquor you're gonna find you can't hide i'm glad i never i never tried it sure i i mean i mean but like you tried alcohol at some point and and i look if i had to take the choice of my kids doing a zin or drinking i'm taking zin all day long all day long nobody's gonna throw you in jail because oh he was all hopped up on zin you know what i'm saying yeah i and 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 clearly it's not as bad for you as smoking or chewing tobacco I wonder what Tony Gwynn Jr. would say. Maybe he wishes Zinn was around yeah. and you know, for his dad, who obviously tried to kick chewing tobacco many times. Hardest thing I've ever had to quit. And far. was not it able was to do awful. it. It's the hardest thing I've ever had. I had withdrawals. Like it was terrible. But these help these help people that are, are trying to do that and, and get off that. So um I think it's I'm not extolling the virtues of a nicotine pouch other than it's a lot better than jamming a wad of tobacco in your in your lip. Keep your laws off Woods' tin. We'll be 100%. back with more after checking traffic on 97.3 The Fan. With a lady? No. Oh, not with a lady. Wow, that's a quick break, Paulie. (laughs) Paulie just scored. Now he got bribed. He did. Get bribed or thanked for? You could say you got thanked for doing something nice last year, and then there's the hope that you'll do it again this year. 
I guess that's how you can put it. Yeah. Uh, my friend uh, Aaron just swung by the studio and dropped off a couple of gifts. And he wants to, I guess, bribe me. I'm thinking it's more bribing me for the upcoming event rather than thanking me for last year's event. Yeah. But I, uh, I helped out at their Little League opening, opening day ceremonies last year. And I was the MC and introduced all the kids, and uh, they liked it, and they would like to have me back. So he brought over. Um, it's called a man crate. Some golf balls and a man crate, which There's is a, a man wooden, inside of it. So it was a real crate. wooden crate, not like a giant wooden crate, but like a. It's like you know, 12, the, like the a foot s- by one foot. One yeah. Foot. Yeah, one a foot cube. square, a cube, uh, and it and came with a crowbar, crowbar to try and open it up. should have seen us trying to get in there with a crowbar. Woods unsuccessfully, unsuccessfully. tried to get it. I finally jimmied the thing open, and uh, we were just talking about bourbon. It was a beautiful uh, set of glasses and a decanter Yeah, with uh, engravings. It says, like, P. Rindle on the glasses. Yes, yeah, it's PR. PR yeah. on, the, on the decanter. Totally custom. Very nice. Very cool. Oh, I think I'm in, right? I well, yeah, I mean, look, I've done – you know how many – you know how many things on the arm I've done in the last 14 years? You know what? I've never gotten a man crate. I've barely even gotten thank yous half the time. No, we've, you know, that's a, that's a really nice gesture. Oh, that was very thoughtful. Very cool. Very nice. The uh, Farmer's Insurance Open is underway oh, at right Torrey now? Pines. Yeah, I had the uh, the first players were teeing off about 30 minutes ago. Just give so us a little PBP. Out, out on the course. Uh, I'm not watching right now. I'm oh. focusing on the show. Oh, look at you. Uh, I can oh, tell you that Nikolai course. Hoygaard is in the lead at two under par through two holes. Uh, I would assume that's probably on the north course is that one. Always surrenders the uh, the better scoring yep. in the first two days when they each play they one round in the north, it. one round on the south. They switch the next day. And Where then would the... you rather start? That's, That's always... it. I've always wondered. I know. I feel like... Is it a random draw? Yeah. I mean, they organize it for television because they want some of the stars sure. playing on each course in the, in the TV windows. But usually half of them play on the north and half of them play on the south each day. And half of them start on the 10th tee and half of them start on the first tee. I've thought, I think the north course, and go out and try to get a few under so you feel like, all right, yeah, I'm near the lead, got I'm some confidence. up there, I got some confidence, and then you just try to survive then the next day on the south course. You shoot even par, you feel the south, had a good day. The south can kill you on day one, you're yeah. six over or something. Like. Yeah. And now there's been a ton of people who have shot three or four under on the north one day, and they shoot seven over yep. and miss the cut on the south and not the next day. So it, there's no guarantee either way that you're you're going to do well. But, yeah, I think I'd rather start on the easier course, try to put up a number, uh, you know, and sometimes it takes like 63, 62 to be in the lead after the first day. But a guy who shot 70 or 69 is just two or three under on the south might actually be a better place to go. And if you shoot well on the first day, if you shoot like 68 on the south, even if you're like three strokes off oh, the lead, feeling you good, feel man. really oh, good. You can go get knowing, seven, eight under the next no, day. No, I got a lot of chances for birdies Ooh. the next day on the north. And, you know, I'm not going to probably have to stress about making the cut or anything. If things, you know, conditions get tougher, the wind kicks up, the north is just a little bit more manageable. Although over the years, I'll tell you what, the north has gotten a lot tougher. Used to be much easier. Now it's it's easier, but there's still some teeth on the north course as well. It's been lengthened. the The fairways have gotten narrower. The rough will be deep everywhere. With that rain, I mean, it was already deep when I went for that media day a couple of weeks ago. With all the rain that is oh going to make God. it, you know, even thicker and gnarlier and nastier. It's going to be. Um, if you miss the fairway, you're going to shoot bad scores. But if you hit the fairways. 
The rain has also softened the greens. And for the pros, that means they can just th- just hit it right to the pin, and it'll stop right there. They don't have to worry about it like bouncing off the green into the short-sided rough. They can go right at the pins, and it actually tends to surrender more birdies for the guys who are in the fairways uh, when the greens are soft and the rain uh, soaks the course a little bit right before the tournament. Local legend Charlie Hoffman is even been through three holes. He so was the just, first off this morning, I think, on the south course. So Rolling him in. Uh, rolling hopefully, the uh, yeah, hopefully Charlie can represent. Uh, Michael Kim is on the course at even par, Torrey Pines High School, and uh, has gotten off to a good start this season. So uh, a few local names in the field right now that have started. I think 1040 is when Xander Shoffley, Max Homa, and Tony Finau, that's probably the most premier threesome of the day, uh, get underway on the south course in just over an hour. Always a uh, always a fun week, man, and and always, you know, they'll be showing it all across the country, and Torrey Pines always represents, remains one of those golf courses still. If somebody goes, hey, I've got a tee time at Torrey, do you want to play? I go, no, I'm good. <laughs> I love it. It's amazing, and to get to play it a few times has been a, an honor, but I'm good. I... I it's the I play bad everywhere. Nowhere do I play as bad as I do when I play and in Torrey Most Park. courses are like this. Like it's not groundbreaking news yeah. here that if you just hit the fairways, you can actually handle Torrey Pines. The difference is the courses that we play on a regular basis. If you don't hit your fairways, you're not dead. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be the end of the day. You're not gonna you'll break to, your wrist. You'll be able to find your golf ball. You'll find your ball, and you'll be fine. Can't Torrey do it. Pines, well, you can't it, do it. You know the interesting because Max Homa was saying, and you know the pros have a little differently because they've got the spotters out there who who yeah. tell them. There's not really a lot of places where you lose your ball off the course at Torrey Pines, right? You know, there's, uh, oh, I've hit it in the ocean before. You can on like yeah. four on the south. Many, many times, actually. And, uh, you know, there's a canyon on I've 13 hit that on the canyon left. canyon so many times. But for the most part, it's just grass. Yeah. It's most of the holes, both sides. Not even a lot of trees there's, either. There's like, just a lot of grass lot out of grass. there, and it's just long. And there's some bunkers, and the fairways are narrow, and it's Greens just a rough, and you can't really get it. You can't really advance it very far when you get in the rough, even if you can find it once it's in there. But it's not a bunch of hazards. There's only one. There's only one water hazard on the two courses combined, right in front of the 18th green on yeah, the south. That's that it. And the giant ocean. It's uh, yeah. off to the left as well. Another big water hazard that I've managed to find uh, many times. But it is a beauty, and it always represents San Diego so well uh, this week nationally. So always makes me happy. All right. Uh, I said we would do it yesterday. Let's, uh, let's get the Tier 1 topic wheel fired up for our last segment. If you want to call in and join us, get online right now. 833-288-0973. You never know what the topic is going to be. It's whatever the wheel says it's going to be in our final segment of the day of Ben and Woods coming up next on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3. The f- oh, I have to give away some Doobie Brothers tickets. We've been talking about Doobies all morning That's all long. you can talk about is Doobies. That's it. <laughs> Let's do that right now. Uh, yes. Be the fourth caller, 833-288-0973. Uh, we'll send you to the Doobie Brothers at North Island Credit Union Amphitheater on June 25th. Tickets go on sale Friday, 10 a.m. That is uh, two days and 30 minutes from now, but you can win them uh, right now. 833-288-0973 or buy them at Ticketmaster.com. Later this week, Tier 1 Topic will next on 97.3 The Fan.
Radio Hazard. Oh my God! I've man. got it too. Uh, did you see it on the YouTube stream? Have Polly come so. back yet? When you try to put your headphones on and it slips snaps, and just snaps whacks and whacks you. you in the face or in the nose. Perfect. Perfect end to a perfect day. <laughs> all right. So now we need to clear out all the lines. We just gave out the uh, <laughs> we gave out the Doobie Brothers tickets, but I wanted to get the tier one topic wheel going. So clear out the phone lines. Start them up again. You go to the East table and they want Doobie uh, Brothers. Yeah, tickets. exactly. Eight three three two eight eight zero ninety seven three. You can call us. We can spin the topic wheel. I would love to talk more Padres baseball. I really yeah. Would. There's nothing. Not much to. We went through the bullpen yesterday. Yeah. Here, let's do the outfield. Fernando Tatis is there. He's let's pretty talk good. about Fernando, and I think he should start in right field right now, and center, and left. And left. <laughs> One man show. Yet here we are with a couple of weeks to go, yeah. and still waiting. And not the only team that is obviously incomplete moves to make. And in, in, yeah. <laughs> The grade is incomplete for the off season right now, yep. so uh, we we sit, we wait, and we will find out at some point what they are going to do about the rest of their roster. Because I, I, they will actually invite, like they'll have a forty man roster right yes. now. It's like a thirty four or thirty five man roster. There are spots they will fill them before the season starts. They have to. Yeah, I don't. I do you? Can you? I mean, you can have thirty eight guys on yeah, your forty man so. roster. You don't have yeah. to, but they will. They will at some point, and we'll find out, uh, you know, when we find out, and then we'll let you know. All right, let's check traffic. Come back. I see people calling in for the topic wheel. Uh, that's next year on 97.3 The Fan. I get the dumbest emails. Oh, gee. Uh, someone needs to tell me that Joel Embiid gained 19,000 Instagram followers after his 70-point performance. That, Why does anyone <laughs> care how many Instagram followers Joel Embiid has? Is that like a... You do get weird. Either. The experts at JeffBet.com use Social Blade to analyze the Instagram followers of Joel Embiid. Why does anyone care about that? That's somebody's job. I know. That's so weird. Crafting an entire email about it. And then they did, have blasted did, out to everyone. Does he want us to interview him? No, no. If you plan on using this story, please credit JeffBet.com. Great job, JeffBet. Well, make sure you give him their credit. <laughs> I just did. You, JeffBet, you have sent me my dumbest email of the day so far. Thank you very much for that. All right, let's bring on a call. Let's go to line one. We're just going blind into this. Uh, oh, call it. Who's this? Works. This is Ryan. Ryan, Ryan do you want right. Doobie Brothers tickets? Nor do you want to play the tier one topic wheel? <laughs> or do you just want to say hi? Uh, oh, man. The, the spin the wheel. Oh, yeah. yes. All right. Well, Fine. On topic, your only I like that. Because yeah. we already gave away the, the, doobies. Uh, the doobies. I don't want to go see no drug band. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Winner of the day already. Thank you, Ryan. Perfect. Oh, that was grandfather. <laughs> no drug man. <laughs> Ryan, what is your favorite drug? <laughs> My favorite drug? I'm no. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. How do you like oh, to t- partake in marijuana? <laughs> uh, let's see. Who was the last person you felt inspired by? Let's see. Other than Michael McDonald? Yeah. <laughs> Last person. Dang, I was going to say Michael McDonald, yeah. too. <laughs> no, you weren't. The last person I was inspired by, oh, man, I think just because it's still kind of fresh, I mean, uh, our guy Peter Seidler, honestly. Mm, 100%. Good call. Um, what he did for the community, I don't think a lot of a lot of people really realize. Um, super special dude. 
got the whole community rallied around the team even more so than they have been the last couple of years. So I think our guy Peter Seidler deserves all that credit. It's great, great answer. It's going to be weird when Ben says Delilah, um, but I, I, you know, for me, Peter, Peter's a great one. Peter's a great one. I'd say we talked to his brother, you know, at, at fantasy camp. Um, honestly, you know who mine is? Probably Tim Flannery. Oh, that's a good one too. Did I steal yours? I'm sorry. Yeah. Tim Flannery is probably the one I was uh, most inspired by. I had really enjoyed our time together at fantasy camp and. Um, and knowing how close he was to not being around anymore just a couple of years ago and to see him out there ripping fungos and <laughs> and the his positivity and the way that he wanted to lean in and like help everybody uh inspired me watching him play music uh inspired me a lot i've been on the guitar all week when i had not been in a while and uh picked up the guitar again been playing a lot around the house uh really really inspirational scene Talked about him earlier, but since I was texting with him yesterday, the last person I was inspired by and continue to be inspired by is our friend Steve Sugimoto, who is pursuing his dream of being a professional golfer, and he is just dedicating himself to it, uh, working hard. And the way he handled his disappointment yesterday, coming so close to qualifying for the tournament, but then also going... But I'm taking a lot from this. It's a learning experience. I know I can compete. I want to take the positives out of it. A lot of people would just dwell and go, if I had just made two more putts, yep. I'd be out there on the PGA Tour today. I loved the attitude. And, and I know part of that is you tell yourself what you you think you should tell yourself in a situation like that. But I love that from Steve and uh, continue to wish him the best of luck. And I find him inspirational. I would go with uh, my friend Dana from Fantasy Camp last year. Uh, my teammate, Woods' teammate, until he was traded. Uh, we talked about her, I think, briefly on the show last week. She lost her leg. She was in the military, and she was out there with a prosthetic leg and uh, hearing her story of how totally at ease she was yes. with that decision. So like calm I mean, with it? I can see it being a really traumatic tough decision to make and then growing to accept it but she sounded like she was at the acceptance phase from the minute it was presented she as told an option. Him. she said cut it off Just i can't do off. this anymore i mean, how does none of us mention dave dravecki as well last week also incredibly but inspiring the, guy the cool thing about dana too is is game one couldn't get the bat on the ball at all. Couldn't couldn't make contact. Didn't make contact by game two, game three, game four, game five. Hitting the ball with authority to yeah, the other the other really, side. It was really, really cool to see that. Anytime, anytime you went the other way. You hit the ball in the first games. Then by game three, I think you didn't make contact and, at all. And then four, I did well. <laughs> and then five, I didn't do so well again. I was really it was really a roller coaster camp for me. I'm making strides to uh, to have a much better camp next. Year. Let's go to uh, Don. Welcome to the Tier One Topic Wheel. Good morning. Don. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good buddy. All right. Polly's spinning the wheel. Let's see what uh, question comes up for Let's us see here. What we get here. One more. Click. One little click. Oh, this is weird. Maybe a little philosophical. If you could be any season, what would you be? This reminds me, I went to an interview one time, uh, a job interview. This and sounds like a they job panicked. interview question. They had me panic. They said, what musical instrument are you? And I was like, I'm, I'm not. I'm a human being. I just want to sell your product. <laughs> I was like, oh, guitar? Why? Well, I'm so com- complex. I, I didn't know what to say. 
felt like a moron. I don't know how to answer this. Spring baseball, I guess. Spring. You know the yeah, Spring. go ahead, Don. What's, what's, what's your answer? <laughs> <laughs> so, any season. Any season. What season would what you season be? would you be? Uh, of course, summer. Summer. Okay. And yeah. and why? Because it's beautiful here in the summertime, and that's when the fish bite. And I'm a big, big, big ocean fisherman. All right, now question. Now, Ben says that fishing is all luck. <laughs> Don, <laughs> what? <laughs> Let him have it. All right, Ben. I'll, come on out with me, buddy. We'll see how lucky you are. Not very. <laughs> not I promise very. you. I know I'm not very lucky now, when it comes to fishing. Now, he's saying, Don, if he went out by himself... He wouldn't catch anything. But you're saying if he went out with you, he he would have a much better chance, right? And it's because well, of, of your course. skill. Yeah. Well, of course I would hook one and give it to him. Well, so what, he could have it. What makes Can you see them under there? Like how do you know? <laughs> what makes a good fisherman? I mean, do you have like the technology? I know people like have radar it's now in their boats it's, and It's all electronics, guys. It's all electronics. So it takes some of the luck out of it. Yeah. Take some of the luck out of it. Well, not really. That's, you still have to find them, guys. You still true. have to find them. So. Cheating. <laughs> oh, no, it's not oh, cheating. cheating. Oh, no, this guy. I'm done. I apologize. Not I'm a cheating. fishing purist, as you know. It, it's not cheating. Well, when I was young, when I went my dad, with my dad, we'd have to put feathers behind the boat and troll around for hours and hours to find just anything that would bite now you just have electronics and you just look down there and you go oh they're here or they're not here that's fantastic. and that's what happens with uh you know social media these days you can find where they are anytime you want yeah on instagram yeah thank <laughs> yeah. you don instagram. appreciate it yeah. Don, I don't know that you're you're making your point or my point. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> me. I can't tell either. I can't. Uh, my, if I could be a season, I would be vacation season. Oh, we know, don't we know it, <laughs> Polly? Uh, I would be summer because I think of summer. You're kind of laid back, relaxed, and I feel like I'm a pretty laid back person. I feel like spring is is mine for sure. Now, if you could be a seasoning, ooh, what seasoning would you be? <sighs> Cholula. Oh, that's more. Is that a seasoning? That's more right, sauce. Right. Like cayenne pepper. Cayenne Ooh, pepper. No, no, that's a seasoning. I would do. I think you're spicy like cinnamon. I'm not really that spicy though, <laughs> but I do like cinnamon. Yeah. Okay. Cinnamon. Yeah. What about you? I vanilla think I'd be extract. something a little more savory. Oh, I like vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> Smells really good. Tastes like s though. <laughs> vanilla extract. Well, yeah. You never have it plain, but vanilla is the flavor that makes everything else kind of taste better. You are right. You don't notice necessarily it's in there. You only notice when it's missing. Yeah, that's true. And I feel that represents me pretty well. Yeah, I like it. That uh, sometimes you notice when I'm not here. Correct. More than when I'm here. <laughs> Correct. It's <laughs> very true. It's <laughs> a really good way to put that. So in that way, I am very vanilla. Yeah. Vanilla. In a good way. Polly, seasoning? No, oh, he said it. Oh. oh, seasoning. Didn't you say it? I don't know. Nutmeg. <laughs> Nutmeg. Nutmeg. Your wife is Meg. She is Meg. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> nutmeg. What do you use nutmeg in? Cookies? 
If you uh, grate I, the I fresh nutmeg in... like on top of a, a gin fizz cocktail sometimes. or Yes, for all my gin fizz cocktails <laughs> that I'm making. I baked an apple crisp over oh. uh, for, the, for Christmas over the nutmeg. break. A little nutmeg on top. A little nutmeg in the mix, yeah. I heard that kids used to smoke nutmeg. <laughs> like, you know, they're all this weird, like, oh, if you lick this frog, it'll trip you out. <laughs> smoke banana peel. I heard nutmeg was one of those. I never did it. I heard that um, Coronado High School kids used to smuggle Smug nutmeg, nutmeg yeah. into the country. Yep. Sell it at big resale prices. Are we done yet? I Can we so. just turn things over to Annie and Elston almost at this there. point? We're almost there, buddy. We're pretty close here to the end of the program. I still don't. I I still don't know exactly. I think we're forty five seconds away from the end. So let's uh, <laughs> let's start to wrap things up here on Ben and Woods for a Wednesday. Uh, Annie and Elston are coming up next. I know uh, Annie's got her big uh, San Diego Sports Awards dinner coming up, and Eric Weddle is their uh, their like keynote, their Hall of Fame speaker, and he's going to join them on their show today. Uh, now the head coach at Rancho Bernardo High School, uh, high school football as well. So awesome. they've got that coming up. That's it for us. For Polly Rindel, our executive producer and imaging director for Stephen Woods, I'm Ben Higgins. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. right here on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. So long. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.